Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. I just got to give another shout out to Will Compton, uh, the trumpeter. Uh, great guy. Did a, a so cool. We got some photos with him and Alex. I'll show him at the end of this, but uh, really cool weekend there. And uh, that dude, he's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. I saw that. Uh, Redcast Rob is also here. Well, I just want to let you guys know that every time that the red sh- Redcast comes on, this is a collaboration. It doesn't necessarily mean that one person <laughs> is taking over the show or leading the show. It's something that we all work on together as a team. And while Dave, you may be the CEO of the Redcast, you oversee the operations of all of our roles. That's very true. Uh, Honky, why do I never know what Redcast Rob is talking about? <laughs> this one, uh, <laughs> Yeah, this one is from uh, the uh, the presser today, I guess. Uh, okay. There's a lot of I, I think I know what he's talking about, yeah. but um, he always goes off. You know, I got to <laughs> rein that by, guy back in. You know? Well, you're like Frost with Whipple. You got to rein him in sometimes, man. I guess That's so. you got to do. I and that so. is literally what the reference is, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> because also because with- they were asking about the offense, is what it was, Dave. It was in it was about whether or not Frost took over the offense in the second half, and they were saying, and he was talking about it being a collaboration between the two of them. And gotcha, very cool, very cool. Yeah. Also, with Boomer, Boomer, your mic muted. <laughs> <laughs> Boomer. What? There you go, Start Boomer. over. You're, you're muted. All you're right. Muted. Yeah, I wasn't muted. But Fifth year of the, of muted, the Red yeah. Cast. The host had muted. It's okay. Anyway, I'm just excited to be talking about a, a week one win against an FCS opponent where we kind of struggled early, but we had a running back breakout with over 100-yard game coming off a week zero loss to a to a conference foe. It, are we sure we're not rerunning last year's episodes? This sounds awfully <laughs> familiar. <laughs> Either way. I thought you were going with the whole, like, hey, we won week one. I, I don't even acknowledge week zero exists, right? It's week zero. It's preseason. But, um, yeah, to your point, Boomer, uh, you know, it does seem like uh, we're having the, the same discussions year over year. But this time I felt it was a little bit different. We'll take a deeper dive into the uh, outcomes of the uh, the battle versus North Dakota, which resulted in a 38-17 to victory. Um, and yet it was a little ugly there for actually uh, too too long for comfort, but ultimately a 21-point victory there. Uh, before we take that deep dive and a few other things on the tweets of the week, uh, let's uh, talk about our sponsors, Honky. Yeah, well, uh, our upcoming episode here, and this is kind of hot off the presses, is we will be broadcasting live from the Hill Varsity Club this Friday, September 9th at 6 p.m. following Hill Varsity Radio. Dave, you will be down uh, from Colorado for the weekend. Boomer, we're still not sure yet, so we're not confirming Boomer, but uh, the potential. We might have a Boomer there one, too. And and I don't know, Rob, I know we've talked a little bit. We might have a, a guest or two, but we haven't. I don't know if we've finalized anything. I have finalized anything yet. So. But we know that. Uh, so we'll be out there uh, at Omaha area. Redcasters come down. It would be great to have you at the at the Hill Varsity Club. Uh, we've been there over the week, the summer and it's great food and great drinks and and uh, we'll have a, a good chance to it'd be great to meet some of you in, per, in person as well. Uh, we'll also be live streaming from there too for, for that night. Um, but that, that should be a lot of fun. 
Um, while we're talking about Hill Varsity, uh, go to hillvarsity.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code REDCAST. Get $10 off your annual subscription. Alumni Hall, two Lincoln locations, downtown 11th and P and South Point Pavilions behind Barnes and Noble. And I'm wearing my hat that is from Alumni Hall there, the official Adidas hat. I was wearing my official Adidas shirt at the uh, or polo that they gave us to the to the game on Saturday. Very good time. FSC Edge, uh, broadcasters, if you're looking to make a career switch, go to www.jobsatfsc.com. And last but not least, Smack and Smooch, custom search and specialty items. You can find them at Smack and Smooch on Facebook and Twitter. Shane and Laura out there in Elwood. Uh, you can you see their shirts here, but also we have the new War Daddy Up shirt. And uh, that's been selling pretty good. I know my sister just said she got one. And uh, go get yourself one of those Redcasters as well. So, Dave, that's that. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, let's, uh, uh, before we head into our tweets of the week, uh, remind everyone about the Go Big Redcast bets. That's our Yahoo Fantasy College Football Pick'em. We've got uh, one week in the books. I've not actually looked to see. <laughs> I don't, I didn't have a great week, I'll be honest with you, on my bets. Uh, I think we went through, you know, one of four in our uh, bet uh, best bets. So that was not pretty. Yes, Rob, you somehow were the one that got the bet, right? Um, I never understand that. Um, but um, if you want to join the uh, Go Big Redcast Bets group, it's ID number 5209. Password is, of course, BetCast. And uh, go ahead and get on there. And uh, it should be a year-long competition. We do exclude the first uh, or the lowest two weeks that you have. So if you missed last week for any reason, uh, you're still getting in and you have um, uh, a week to, to spare. And so that would be awesome. I, I'm sure we're growing in, in numbers there. So it should be uh, awesome uh, as we go through the season. All right, Hunk, um, let's uh, take some national news here a little bit, kind of reactions to what happened over the last week in uh, college football. And even before we really played played football on Thursday night, there was rumors of this and it came out on Friday but the uh, college football playoff board of managers, which I guess is the actual presidents of uh, some of the schools that each represent each of the leagues in Notre Dame, uh, approved a 12-team college football playoff field, uh, and it could start uh, should be no later than 2026. Uh, there is a small window of opportunity if some some sort of TV negotiations occur to start that earlier, even though I don't think that's a, a done deal by any means. But Boomer, I'll, I'll start with you on this. Uh, you know, this has been out there for a while. This is the same proposal with a little bit of tweaks uh, because uh, the same proposal that was out, say, last year or so in the Big Ten and the Pac-12, I believe, voted it down. This is a 12-team playoff. That's the same thing. Uh, but there is six conference champions that are included in this. So the conference champions do get automatic bids. Um, and then six uh, automatic or six uh, qualifiers that are out of that. So uh, the top four get buys, uh, and they have to be conference champions. That it would exclude Notre Dame at present. Um, and then you have seeds five through eight hosting on campus uh, the first round games, uh, taking on teams nine through twelve. And then it would uh, go to neutral site games. Uh, you'd have four of those quarterfinals, and those would we have six of the 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 big six bowls, right? So four of them would be right there. Semifinals would be the other two, and then you'd have a uh, championship game to wrap things up. What do you think, man? 
Well, it's, I'm just happy that America can sleep well at night knowing we've, you know, defended and protected the, the sanctity and pageantry of the sugar and cotton bowls again. So at least, <laughs> at least they'll survive. So there's that. Overall, it's a step in the right direction. Um, I've always been a proponent of an expanded playoff just for the nature of the sport and the number of teams involved. I don't think that's any secret. We've covered that many, many times here in the Redcast. So this this brings a lot of opportunity. Um, there's been some good articles where people have gone back and shown all the teams that would have been on the on the playoffs and all the different opportunities that teams would have had. No guarantee any of them would have actually won any of these playoffs, but they'd have access. And I think that's one of the big reasons this finally did pass this time, um, especially with realignment as it is. I think this was probably an effort by, you know, the ACC, Big 12, Pac-12 to say, hey, we you we need to stay in these conferences. You know, you can still make the playoffs. So, you know, six, mm-hmm. or six conference champs are guaranteed. And, yeah. There's only two big major conferences right now. That's a lot of room for a lot of other people to, to get those. Um, generally, I like it. Uh, I like the, the, you know, playing on home sites. It, it is a little odd that if you're, you get a bye week and then you have to go to a bowl, you don't get you don't get rewarded with a home game. I thought that was a little strange. Although it's always been the out SEC, there for 12 yeah. yeah, most of those are home games anyway, those bowl games for, for the SEC type <laughs> schools. So maybe it's not such a big stretch, but. Generally, I think it's a good step forward, and I think I think people will be generally excited with it once it once it kicks off. Yeah, you know, it's been really interesting listening to a lot of the the national shows. It feels like they've been asking for this for years, and then then it happens, and I hear several like negative reactions to it. Um, and even on on Twitter, like Barrett Sally, CBS Sports was like you know, referencing the I think the the Georgia Oregon game and like, Oh, here's welcome to the playoffs is what you're going to get every single year. And I mean, that, that's a, that's a big leap, but honky. I mean, I know that you haven't always been a, a favor of expanded playoffs and you know, you've uh, we've had Brett Siancia of pick six previews on multiple times. He's adamant that the 14 playoff is, is the best. Phil still still says, says the same thing. I mean, what are you thinking? Well, you know, it creates a lot of things that I like that, um, were the things that scared me about a playoff back in the day. You know, I want the sanctity, so to speak, of the of the regular season to mean something. Well, you want to be a top four seed. You want to win your conference. So there's you know, all the the negative things that happen in an NFL season where guys sit out the last couple of games if they've already made it, stuff like that. You're not doing that. If you need to win your conference, yeah. you want to be a top four seed. I love the idea that the top four seeds are conference champs because that keeps us from having the SEC having two or three of those top four spots as well. Uh and, you know, I think it is brilliant to have I, – I think it is – it's the top six conference champions, right? So they're not saying it's all power five. Correct. Technically, one of your power five conferences could have such a bad, lousy champion that maybe they're not one of the top six. And you could have four of the power five and two of the other ones could be Correct. group of five ones. I mean, conceivably, yep. it pr- probably wouldn't happen very often. But so it, it doesn't exclude people. It, it is more inclusive of a, of a, um, of a playoff system. And I just, I love the idea, the concept, the idea that you could possibly have December home games being played at college stadiums up north. And Nebraska, we're going to get this thing turned around. And, and someday Nebraska's hosting, a, you know, some team from the south up in December for all those memories that we have of playing Florida State and Miami back in the Orange Bowl back in the day. Uh, that is really exciting. So I, I think they got this right. Uh I would have never said that 15 years ago. I would have been fighting it tooth and nail 15 years ago, but so much has changed between that time and now that to me, this just feels right. Yep. It's very true. Rob uh, thoughts. I mean, I'm just really looking forward to 
you know, basically what amounts to be five teams that aren't in the SEC play seven teams from the SEC. I mean, that's going to be really exciting. <laughs> so, I mean, so given the way, given the way that, that they uh, all of the the at large bids will be from the SEC. Well, who has the, the TV contract? Only get one? Is it is it is it ESPN and, and the SEC network have the TV contract on the playoff games? Is well, that's the key. So let's let's, let's <laughs> talk about that. because so yeah. they they would not after twenty twenty six. Interesting. So that's that's I, the key here. So I kid, I kid, but I mean, it just feels like the way that they do these playoffs now, like with the four teams, it seems like there's always two SEC teams, right? Like, and it doesn't matter how good anybody else is, it's always like okay, Alabama, somebody else, and two other teams and we you can fight over who the other two teams should be it's kind of yeah yeah and not, i'm not saying that 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 that's not going to happen again where a second sec team could be favored to, to reach a college football final with the sec champion but i'll tell you right now that the sec second place team will not be one of the top four seeds um that sounds certain in this scenario um, and they will have multiple at-large bids, but I think the Big Ten could also have multiple at-large bids on a, a regular basis. And your point of ESPN playing favorites, I mean, that's what we've lived with over the last decade. And I think that's why um, right now it's it's not going to happen until 2026. And, and unless ESPN and the other TV networks want to play nice with each other, that's just the way it's going to play out because the Big Ten has put their foot down. And you can see that with their TV contract that we talked about um, on previous shows that uh, they are not aligned with ESPN being the sole provider of college football. Right. And I, they see actually there's a lot of monetary value in spreading out those, those games, just like the NFL does. So I would expect in 2026 that you would have, you've got boomer. Let's help, help me with the math here. You're going to have four first round games, four quarter final games, two semis mm-hmm. uh, and a final. So you got four, yeah. four, you have like, you know, nine, oh. Loving games there. So, to answer your question, Dave, though, real quick, is I'm I'm actually all for it. It's the only sport in college that doesn't have a tournament format to finish it out, and it's the only one of the divisions. You know, division the FBS Correct. is the only one that doesn't have a playoff format. It works everywhere else. There's absolutely no reason other than these, like, you know, the the toilet bowl, you know, and 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 the cotton ear swab bowl you know, get played every year for whatever sponsor. Well, and ESPN owns most of those bowls to your point, Rob. Well, and Dave, Dave, I I think something that would have bothered me 15 years ago was this honestly, and I I, kind of say this tongue in cheek, but you know, the sanctity of the bowls. Well, that's just completely gone down the toilet the last 20 years as as the bowls have doubled to, to the point where, you know, where the Bahamas bowl has, you know, 300 people at it and all that, or USC and UCLA are coming over to the big 10. How important is that Rose Bowl anymore? And 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 you yeah. know that tradition of it. We're traditionally Orange Bowl guys from the Big Eight and the Big Twelve days. That doesn't mean anything like that like it used to. So all of that, all the changes that have happened over the last quarter century have led us to a point now where it's like, nah, let's just do it. I mean, this is this makes sense, and and it can make it better, and it can make the season exciting if more teams have an opportunity to get into it and. And it doesn't, it still rewards teams for being at the top. It, you know, that's the one thing we've always said. We don't want this to, to, to water down the regular season. I think that's Brett Siancia's point. And I'm sure he's still right. saying that right now. Mm-hmm. But I don't think this waters down the season. If you need to be a top four seed to get that buy, if you need to be a five through eight seed to get the home game. Every layer. Yes, it's correct. constantly incentivizing you so that you're never sitting your star player at any point so that they don't play. 
you know, any of that stuff. You need to get the highest seed you can get uh, so that you can make it as far as you can into the playoffs. I mean, that's essentially that's what it is. Yeah, and it really so, does, I think, incentivize other teams to keep playing in the season, too. Uh, you know, you maybe you're not going to win your division, but you still have a chance to get one of those six ad-large bids. So there's mm-hmm. a lot, a lot for teams to keep playing for. Yeah. It's that, especially in some divisions. Team. Like, you know, the Big Ten East is a great example. Mm-hmm. You've got Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. They're going to – somebody's going to knock each other out, but they might be really good teams, you know, and the second, so there's a lot of incentive. Yeah. Third team in the Big Ten East will think that's that they're competing a, for that every yeah. single time. That's a great point. In this day and era of where the bowl games are so important, and yet what does everyone do that's not in the playoffs? They sit out their bowl games. You know, this gives you more opportunities for more teams to be involved later in the season where players are like, Yeah, I'm not sitting this out. We have a chance to get into the playoff. We have a chance to win. Once you're in the playoff, we have a chance to play for a national championship. We just got to keep winning, you know. And I yeah. think that the four team yeah. playoff has kind of created the opposite. It became this all or nothing. If you're not one of those four, who cares if you're a New Year's Bowl game? Who cares? Those aren't the same thing as what a New Year's Bowl yeah. used to be anyways. And everything's become goals. secondary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this is this is this could be a, a long conversation. I'll just mm-hmm. wrap it up by saying that. I mean, I think that, um, you know, it's not just ESPN controlling the narrative. I mean, someone had that, that, that comment there. But I think the value of having multiple networks um, – have playoff games to advertise mm-hmm. um, means that they're going to promote the sport that much more across all of their networks on all their social media, um, have all of their talking heads talking about it. It's not just ESPN controlling the, 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 um, the playoff show every Tuesday night or whatever, when they come out with the rankings um, or, or other things, it's, it's CBS and NBC and Fox also doing that. Yep. There'll be more coverage across the board um, and a, a lot more revenue and hopefully more interest from just the, the average fan. Now, I mean, I'm sure there's could be potential downsides. I've, you know, people talked about how um, that, you know, whoever isn't in the top four is like a lamb being led to slaughter. You're sure you made the playoff, but now you're going to lose your last game opposed to winning a bowl game. Uh, and I'm like, like to your, to your point, hockey, no one pays attention to those games, those playoff games or those bowl games that, that don't matter any longer anyway. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see, but I think overall it's a, it's a nice, nice change. We'll see if it happens before 2026. Um, speaking of neutral site games and playoffs, we see a lot of neutral site games in the first week of the regular season. And Honky, I think you had quite a bit of uh, traction with this uh, tweet right here where you asked if uh, people are huge fans of these neutral site games. Yeah, I could tell that this one, uh, specifically the graphic, it shows how far Oregon had to travel to Atlanta to play Georgia traveling to Atlanta and it was six plus hours of flights versus a two hour drive. Now, Oregon, I don't know how much Oregon drive through Nebraska. It looks like I mean, they may have left half their team the way that they played. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know that would have mattered where they played it. Let me be very clear here. This is more just the point of like literally putting, uh, you know, quotation marks around what a neutral site means. I mean, if, if Oregon versus Georgia in Atlanta is neutral, it's it, give me a break. And this is the problem that um, it still isn't getting fixed. The college football playoff isn't fixing this issue, but there's still inequities that happen inside the seasons. How do you get conferences? Some play eight team conference schedules, some play nine, some, you know, have made a history of just only playing neutral site games like Alabama this, this week, we talked about it a week ago that if Alabama, if Nick Saban wins at Texas, it's their third 
it would be his third non-conference victory on the road since he start, started there. And that just is crazy because that's all they played. They they don't go on the road very often. Now, the SEC is changing that up. And in future years, I think they have more of these scheduled. But right now, it just seems like, uh, you know, you want more equity in how you schedule throughout the season. Uh, I will say this weekend in Boomer, I know your thoughts on neutral site games, but who the heck right now, who wasn't playing at one? I mean, even Georgia Tech right now is playing Clemson at the, the Mercedes-Benz Dome. Uh, last night, LSU was playing Florida State in the Superdome. It's like, why do we have these cathedrals of college football and they never play games in them? Yeah, that, that just just boggles my mind, especially when you look at like LSU and Florida State. Yeah, they were playing in, in the Superdome. And then next year, they're playing in Orlando. Yeah. Why are you playing in neutral sites in the states your schools are in? That that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. I, I don't comprehend why you would do that. It's not like those are small little podunk, you know, college towns with you know stadiums of a few thousand. And those are you know, like you said, they're cathedrals of college football. Play the games there. That's what college football is supposed to be. You know, people don't want this to become professional. We'll stop playing it in freaking cold, sterile, corporate professional stadiums. It's that, and that's what I don't LSU, get it. LSU did that a number of years ago with uh with Wisconsin where they did a, a home and away neutral site thing at the Silverdome and then at, at Lambeau field. And I just don't get it. I mean, if you're the chamber of commerce in Madison and you are the 10,000 students that have to travel, like that's part of the fun of being on campus and being a student is that, and I have heard, and I just want to clarify this too. We, cause we posted, posted some things about this and people are like, well, didn't you guys travel 4,000 miles to Ireland and play in the neutral site game? A little different. That wasn't just some neutral side game. That's Northwestern's home game that they gave up and decided to play over there. And then we'll play them next year in Lincoln, Nebraska. So this isn't like what Boomer said, where next year Florida State is hosting in Orlando, LSU. We're, we're right back to playing in Lincoln next year. Nebraska's not going to do what Northwestern did. We're not giving up home games that could yeah. be played in Memorial Stadium to play them across overseas. Now, if someone you know wants to pay us a lot of money and give us an opportunity to be on national TV so we can lose, we'll always take that opportunity, right? <laughs> but, but uh, you know, no, I that that's a little different. It, was that neutral? Sure, but I guess it's neutral when we play them in Evanston's too. So, yeah, yeah. And to your point there, I mean, there was no home field advantage for Northwestern in Dublin. In fact, it was mm-hmm. the opposite. Um, but that's the same thing in, in Evanston, actually, yeah. right? Because there's always Nebraska, yep. more Nebraska fans than Northwestern fans wherever they play. Mm-hmm. Where that's not the case when you're talking about Georgia playing in um, the Mercedes-Benz Dome in, in downtown Atlanta. So, yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Exactly. Totally get it. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess we're mostly done with the uh, neutral side games, I believe, for, uh, for this year after this Clemson-Georgia Tech game, which is on behind me. Um, I'm rooting for the under, if anybody's watching. Um, it's looking <laughs> good so far. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have them again here. Um, uh, I, I always forget college football's on like every night of the week now, isn't it? Like well, for the first well, weekend, for sure. I just forgot that there was a game like last night. I forgot that LSU and Florida state were playing until. So did LSU special. <laughs> so special teams yeah it was a, and a great game though it was uh, a great game super it was. fun to watch the end of that mm-hmm. and um hey i mean you got to make your extra points right i mean it got blocked actually wow i mean geez. amazing that's right alumni hall they just opened up a sweet new shop in downtown lincoln i believe it took over one of the other shops what shop was that honky it was husker mm-hmm. headquarters they also have one at Hus- 56 and um highway 2 
So yeah. there's two locations in Lincoln now. And yeah, and they just they just opened up there. And next time I'm in Lincoln, I'm definitely looking forward to going there and checking out this the store itself. You know, we we've we've gone around the Haymarket, checked out a couple stores there, but apparently this one is top notch and and you know number one with all of like the actual licensed you know swag and everything. And I got my shirt there too, so a little Herbie Love going on and you know rock and roll. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, again, that's Alumni Hall. And you can also check their stuff out, alumnihall.com backslash Nebraska, I think it is. And you can see all of the stuff to purchase from them through there because they will send it to you in the mail. And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. Well, those LSU fans are hurting. There's no doubt about that. But um, we're, we're a Husker fan podcast, so let's talk about uh, Husker football and put on our scarlet colored glasses and talk talk about Husker football and everything that it entails. And uh, Honky, I think you want to you know, dive into this conversation about um, fandom and what it means, um, not just for Nebraska fans, but college football fans and in general. Do you want me to bring up that first tweet? Yeah, sure. Go, go ahead and do that. So this is, it was something that the, we've been thinking about and we plan to dive in tonight. Uh, two things can be true at one time. It's possible to criticize Nebraska and still be a great fan. Absolutely. In fact, I, I know we get called Kool-Aid and maybe that's because we have Rob on the show, but, but I think that we criticize and we're, we're constructive in our criticism all the time on this show. I, we talk about things that we need to do better and things we didn't do well. But uh, So it's possible that you can criticize Nebraska and still be a great fan. It's also possible, number two, to be constructive, not destructive with that criticism. And we've had some questions from people on, well, you know, how do you define what is constructive and not destructive? We can get into that. I don't think it's that hard to figure out the difference, to be quite honest with you. But we can we can certainly have that discussion. But the the point is, is that what you start to see, if you've been on Twitter at all, and for those that aren't, uh, congratulations, you're you have better mental health than the rest of us. But um <laughs> There's basically there's times where, you know, what is too much? And so we've got a kind of a collection of tweets here that we've taken from the last couple of days. Uh, Dr. Rob Zaska was on the show a few weeks ago. I love UNL and Nebraska football, but I agree as well. Being critical is different from hating. Like most normal people, I hate Iowa. You know, got to appreciate that. Uh, Dr. Kool-Aid MD, the corrupt donkey on Twitter. And again, if you're not on Twitter, you're like, what's what's the donkey? No, there's there's a Husker donkey out there. He goes, many in this fan base are letting some character traits shine through. I'm actually shocked to see some of the things I've seen. You you do you, but I'm not participating in that toxic, toxicity. I'll be at the game next Saturday having fun and cheering on my guys. Go Big Red forever. Uh, Sarah, she goes, if you're going to start booing Nebraska at Memorial Stadium, just stay home. That got a lot of traction. Uh, that tweet did there. And Nebraska, we can, we can talk about this, discuss this. Uh, there were some boos that happened at halftime. Also, Tony Hayek, can we also remember that we don't boo the other team? I was so embarrassed when North, Debo- North Dakota came out and some of our fans started booing them. That's not who we are, Husker Nation. And last but not least, um, Lindsay Yu says it's hard to watch slash see, honestly. And that's the fan toxicity, she means. And uh, the donkey responded, fans believe they're entitled to certain results because they bought tickets and own red shirts. When things aren't going well, their true identity comes out, always will be this way. So that kind of just sets the table. Let's set the discussion of like, what should a fan do and what shouldn't they do? I also want to be very clear that Nebraska, I don't think is, is necessarily any different than any other fan base. We get the same idiots on message boards that are writing whatever they want. We get the same people that say things at games that, you know, I, I took Alex with me to a game at this for about a quarter and a half. And, 
every section has it and you have a guy, you know, somebody behind you shouting something. And a lot of times it's the same thing, quite honestly, that I'm actually thinking in my head, just to be very clear. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, that guy's not, what he's saying isn't necessarily wrong, but it doesn't, it shouldn't be said. It shouldn't be said out loud or that, that word that shout out and there's Alex, you know, 10 years old sitting next to me. I'm like, you know, does it have to be like that? I, part of this is what is, how would you define, and this is going to be different from person to person, but how do you define what is a good fan or, what is something you should do or shouldn't do? Uh, we have quite a few people that are following along right now. We'd love to get your comments and get some of that kind of incorporated into this, but maybe let's start around the room. And Dave, I'll, I'll start with you. You know, what do you think, what is the role of the fan and when do things get you know a little bit too far or, or what is allowed? What's not allowed. That's very philosophical of you, honky. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know. What this is, is a very philosophical of, discussion here. Right what now? is the role of a fan? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I really think of it in that, those terms. I mean, I, I totally get um, some of the, the comments that are saying, you know, we, sh- we shouldn't boo, et cetera. Booing North Dakota. I didn't, I didn't realize we did that. So that that's, that would never be appropriate, especially if it's the beginning of the game. In my yeah. Opinion. When they came out, there was some, um, there was some boos and it was, it was yeah. a little, I mean, look, I mean, there's there's been booze in Memorial Stadium for a long time. I'm sure Boomer can find articles from 1924 when there's there's booze out there, I suppose. But, mm. um, you know, even I remember Os, Osborne, um, you know, taking the microphone and, you know, shaming the fans and, and, and whatnot uh, back in the day for various different things. And I mean, he, he typically when we when he got booed, it was it was him or the team in general. I, I don't I don't know if any of the booze. Uh, on Saturday at halftime were directed at any one player. I don't, I don't think so. I think it was just generally they were disappointed with the performance. And that's where you can say like I, fans can express disappointment and not seeing good football. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I think as Nebraska fans in particular, that's all we're really looking for is that a team's well-prepared, ready to play and is giving it at all. Right. And, and mm-hmm. sometimes you feel like you didn't see that. And that's, that's pretty frustrating as a fan. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I get the good, um, decorum that we should take in most instances but there's also a level where look i mean i don't it's not about paying for tickets or um all that type of stuff or oh i'm alumni it's just like look we the reason that you're playing there and and it has a scholarship and the coaches get five million dollars a year is because the fans show up right and the fans watch on tv without us doesn't happen whatsoever and i don't think that entails you to everything but at least watching good football is is a part of it, right? right. So if you haven't felt like you've seen that, you, you can probably lay a little bit into them. Well, here's some audio I want to play. And this is from uh, What's the Word on 93.7 The Ticket. And this was Chancellor Brewington, friend of the Redcast. He was on a lunch cast with Rob over the offseason. And he specifically, he, he mentions the booing that happened at halftime. So this is, at least we're getting the perspective here of a player. Y'all popped out, though. Y'all did boo us though, and that really hurt. No, nah, that no, was that no, was that man. was because the the only thing that fans have to understand is, I can get if you're frustrated with a um, with whatever, um, but the players have to hear that going into the locker room, and for some guys that's their first college football home for college football game in Memorial Stadium, mm-hmm. and you getting booed like. It's just, it's just uh, not a good feeling. Yeah. But we bounce back. Like you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to battle adversity from your own fans. You I know agree. what I'm saying? That's like a, keep the booing that's on a memorial. Bad they go on a little bit longer, but I, I like that. You shouldn't have to battle adversity from your own fans. This gets back to literally my question: like, what is the role of a fan? Um, 
I want to show something that we posted last week here. And this is just in general, whether you're a fan or not. I uh, saw this sign at Redcast Junior School during orientation a few weeks back. Thought there might be a few keyboard warriors who could benefit from this advice, too. Before you speak, think. T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? Uh, we have a tweet that I, we also want to show from the Tweets of the Week. And this is something that we talked about last week. And it was ended up being fake. We thought we, we thought we vetted it. it I had heard it on some other news shows or actual radio shows, but it was a quote that supposedly uh, Pat Fitzgerald made, but it wasn't. It, it was a, it's a fake, right? And we didn't do our job. We didn't vet that well enough as a redcast. I take that on me. It goes right back to the T and think. It, is it true? And there are things that we say and things that we show on this show that people would assume if we're talking about it, that we actually have some idea of what we're talking about and that it was actually factual. And they turn around and they go to work the next day and say, hey, Pat Fitzgerald said this thing. And, and if he didn't, then we're guilty of pushing something that's not true. The reason I posted this tweet a week ago was in response to a very well-known recruit here in Lincoln who uh, his parents, uh, who are great people, went out in support of him on Twitter because he was getting kind of attacked basically on social media board or media boards for incorrect stuff. And, and you know, we get into this discussion, are they kids? Are they young men? Now they're getting NIL and money. So does that make it okay to do? And these parents are just like, look, I mean, imagine it's your kid with people that have no idea what they're talking about, you know, attacking your kid on, on, so, on social media and on, on message boards. And that's not right either. I mean, like, and so whereas fans, like there, there becomes a point, like, I mean, I feel like as a Redcast, the reason I wanted us to have this discussion is that at least we can be a little bit of a voice of the fans too. And we've always tried to be the voice of some reason. And it's like, look, this is, I'm, I'm frustrated when we're not doing well. You guys, I was texting with you guys in the first half and I was sitting there saying, look guys, we need to be running the ball. And I'm, I'm attacking what we're doing or not doing things I want to see, but that's a whole different level than, I mean, we've seen on social media, individual players getting attacked and things. And, and that just, is that helpful? That's the thing. If you're a fan, I go back to this think thing here. H, is it helpful? It, is the role of the fan to be so vocal that you turn off recruits from wanting to come here that you make players potentially think of going somewhere else? You know, I mean, I, in transfer, I've, that's, that's my part of my question. And I'm doing a lot of talking. I, I've got some other thoughts, but I kind of want to let you guys, someone else fill in for a second. Let me just mention one thing and maybe I'll throw it over to, to Boomer or Rob is like back to uh, Brewington's uh, comments about the booing at the end of the half is, is that um, I, I, I totally understand where he's coming from there. And I appreciate that. And, and to your point, Honky, about the message boards and all that type of stuff, that's what's changed over the 20 years. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, Twenty five years ago when we were in college, it, it, you didn't have all that type of stuff. A lot of the message boards when they first kind of launched, there's almost like almost like the dark web. Right. It's like it wasn't common Husker stuff. It was like a bunch of really, really um, fans that are really into it. And they're they're talking about stuff. And they never thought that a, a parent of a of a recruit would be reading that. And, and a lot of people haven't changed their attitudes of how those message boards works. And I've never been on them. I don't read them. I don't care about them. I don't like any of the personal stuff at all anyway. So it doesn't really matter. But I guess to, to my point about like, it, it was it okay or not to boo Memorial Stadium? 
is that I think I told again, I totally understand where Chancellor Billington is coming from here. But also, I think the players should have an understanding of that. You have a fan base that actually knows a lot about football and they know that you should be up on North Dakota at halftime just playing good, clean, solid football. And they weren't doing that, right? And and so I think there's a, a relationship between fans and players there where it's like, don't treat us like we're idiots, essentially, and we're going to accept any product out there. Mm-hmm. We want, want a good product because we think that's how we should be able to perform, um, you know, every Saturday, right? So there's mm-hmm. a balance there. That's all I want to say. Uh, Boomer or Rob, I mean, I'm more than happy to have you guys jump in on this. Boom? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, I don't. I'm trying to think of any game I've been to. I don't recall ever booing the team per se. You know, I may have occasionally voiced displeasure at like a coaching decision, like maybe deciding to punt when I think we should go for it or something to that effect, you know, might be something I, you know, may have vocalized, but I don't think I've ever booed the team per se. And it does just kind of uh, raise an interesting point, kind of what the role of the fan is, which is why I'm glad Hockey was talking about this. Um, You know, when it comes to Nebraska, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, the fans are so key to what this program is. Because can, can you imagine any other program fan base putting up with what we have over the last 20 years and still showing and up? traveling no. to Dublin like we did? Dublin, oh, no. I mean, you saw UCLA's game this weekend against uh, Bowling Green, I think it was. Yeah, 27,000 people. Yeah, I think we had more people watching our podcast than actually saw that game live. <laughs> I mean, so there is that. And that kind of, again, I and that just kind of goes in what, what is the role of a fan and what can they do when they, when they are disappointed in something, their choices, mm-hmm. you know, they're either just boo some of them do, which I, again, I don't like that. Or they just stop showing up and that's happened in Nebraska in the past. I've been at a lot of games. I, I almost never leave a game early and I've, you know, at, at times when it's gotten darker, there's been a lot of times when fans just left. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think we all remember yeah. that in the Callahan years, the Riley era, they, there's been a lot of times when, that that's was pretty empty by halftime or that's or one way that quarter. yeah that's one way that fans speak right they speak with yeah, their money is. they speak mm-hmm. with the that you put the paper bag on your head you just don't show yeah. up it, part of this discussion the first part that was it's possible to be critical too so i want to make sure i'm not here's one thing too is when we come off and we go we attack the people that are frustrated and you know you can't say that about well no you can say some things in fact i want to play this little video that we had from steve sipple when he was on about a month ago when he talked about Ron Brown, longtime Husker assistant. Now he's a an analyst. A minute-long video here of him talking about what Ron Brown says about Husker fans. But Ron Brown, of all people, a few years ago said something that, was, that stuck with me about the way things have gone here and that he he was very adamant that the fans have a right to voice their disapproval. They're inve- you guys are invested. You, mm, you're sure. heavily invested in this. Um, and they're... And that and that does give you a right to to voice disapproval, mm-hmm. and I and I sometimes have to remind myself. Sometimes I'm a little taken aback by the level of vitriol. Um, I am. I, I guess, like I said, I'm kind of kind of a snowflake in some ways, <laughs> and I I think this stuff is fun. But I got to remind myself of what I do. Remind myself of what Ron said. Um, there's nothing wrong with voicing disapproval. There's been a lot to voice, so that. But, mm-hmm. but I would say my part in the shot is that, but also I, I think they're doing a good job over there. I, I, I think we'll see what happens again. It's going to be a lot of, you're going to have to win close games. We'll 
see where that goes. You know, the, the idea that fans have a right, we have ownership over this program. Um, I, I want to take this in a little different direction and I'm going to show this tweet. And this was from KETV about a week ago. And it was just some article they had or some story on cash bonuses offered to UNL athletes for passing classes. This gets into, and we talked about this three years ago when all the NIL stuff was even starting to be discussed. It's like, how does that start to change the narrative in the, in the discussion here? For the longest time, you can't say this about kids. Well, geez, are they kids? They're getting paid to have good grades. They're getting paid for NIL. They're getting, they're getting paid for all this. Is, is now does that make them, does that give you more right to do something? Or is what Chancellor said, these, some of these guys, this is their first game at, at Memorial Stadium, you know, and, and you shouldn't have to fight adversity from your own fans, or should you have to? I, Rob, you're raising your hand there. Yeah, man. I listen. I have been fans of some terrible teams for my entire life. All right, and by choice, Rob. And, yeah, and and <laughs> I mean, and 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 let me just say this, Dave, without without the interruption, please. The the <laughs> Raiders, the Warriors, the A's, the Sharks, Nebraska football now. I have been watching some terrible sports for the last 30 years with combined with all those teams before the Warriors were winning championships. I saw the A's win a World Series in 89, and I've seen them field some of the worst teams in baseball over the years. And I've seen them not win a playoff game. You know what I've never seen at any of those games or heard on television? I've never once heard the fan bases boo those teams. All right. And those are professional athletes. Those are guys getting paid millions of dollars. To play. I have never been to a game where I've heard people booing those teams off of the field, regardless of how bad they were. And I have trouble believing that. I just I know. I, and I can. But I really yeah, do. Good. You find it the is. video of it. You find the And I'm I'm just saying I have never heard the teams. boo. Actually, on the very last game, when the when the Raiders played in Oakland, the fans there, even though they were angry that the team was leaving to Las Vegas, they still showed up en masse to that game and cheered them every single minute on and off well, the field and cheered them Rob. when that's they lost. It's, but it's but again, so booing a team, booing a bunch of college kids isn't an emotional thing, Dave. And no, I think no, it's, no, you're, it's, and you're not. Is, you're, you're 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 comparing apples to oranges there. That well, was an end of season scenario where they're leaving the t- the town. They came out to. My, po- my point is time. even my point is in even in that scenario they weren't booing that they were leaving fans were angry that they were leaving Dave it was I mean you're not yeah. on those message boards you're not on their Twitter you're not following how angry people I, were I get that and still. my point is is it's not it's not okay it, it's you you go to these games you do that these are these are kids I don't care if they're getting paid or not they're 18 to 22 23 years old right they're out there doing the best they can they're also going to school trying to get an education whether they're being paid or not you know what i do do some of these other students want me to show up at chipotle when they're working on the weekends for their part-time job and my burrito isn't right am i going to walk in and start booing them if you got bad customer service you might complain i might go in and yeah but that's that's more constructive than walking in and booing them while i while well, they're at their job behind the counter i i think i think what sipple is talking about when he's talking with with ron brown there and the idea of booing is that you know seventy eight thousand or eighty five thousand can't walk in and give their individual complaints like you can at Chipotle, but th- what they can do is they can boo. Now the question still falls back on should they or when should you be able to? I mean, looking back on it, you know this team is a young team and they're getting it turned around. We're going to talk about that a little bit later with scoring explosion and throwing the bones. Is that um, you know this this team needs support right now? And one of the things that that bothers me a little bit with with some of the things I've seen 
is, and you saw it a week ago with Urban Meyer is going to be our next head coach, Dave. Did you hear that? And there's people rooting for this stuff almost already. And I'm like, we're one game into the season and people are already rooting for this thing to be over and move, you know, some people, some, let let me be very clear. Some are rooting for that almost like it's, I want this, I want this thing to to end. And I'm sitting here going, I'm for me, I'm battling every week as a fan right now is I want us to get better. And I want us to, to win this next week's game. And then let's have a huge, you know, turnout with Oklahoma coming here and let's, let's win more games. And so as a fan, how do we help? What, what is our role to help, you know, try to promote that? I, I also want to show this real quick. And this is, again, I want to be very clear that, you know, being critical isn't something that's anti-Nebraska. Back in 2005, Scott Frost had a blog that he did Scott's Thoughts by Scott Frost. And it was a long blog. It was written after the 2005 loss to Kansas, our first loss to Kansas since 1968. At that point, we were five and four in the season. Uh, it was the second year of Callahan. The first year of Callahan, they had a losing record, the first losing record since pre-Devaney, 1961. So we're five and four coming off of a a losing season, and we just lost to Kansas. We went on, uh, after this blog was written, we went on to win the last two games, K-State and Colorado, made it to the Alamo Bowl, beat uh, Michigan, ended up eight and four. Uh, There was a lot of things that Frost was critical about, I think constructive criticism in a lot of ways. But I want to read this thing. It's four paragraphs, but just let me read it here. He goes, building on this point, I'd like to add this. It's not fair to be calling for the firing of any of our coaches right now. Everyone's entitled to their opinions about how the things are going on the field, but we owe these guys a fair chance to get things turned around. If I was a coach that took over a program like Nebraska, I would feel like I deserved at least three or four years to fully integrate my philosophies and tactics as a coach and leader. Granted, these pro- granted, there probably needs to be signs of improvement along the way, but it's not fair to be talking about a change right now. It also doesn't make sense to be firing so many arrows at the staff in the middle of the season. These guys have a job to do, and the fewer distractions they have, the better they will perform. On top of that, we don't want the players feeling like they're in the midst of a firestorm. We don't want them worried that they might have a new coach in a year or two or three. I've heard rumors that some of our vaunted freshmen are kicking around the idea of transferring. We can't lose these kids. Whoever is coaching needs talented players. There's a time and a place for everything. If things haven't improved by the end of the 06 season, then maybe people should voice their opinions on who is the right person to lead our program, but not right now. Now is the time that we should be, we should be supporting our team and our players so that they understand that they're part of something special. That's Frost after talking about, you know, he was very critical in, in, in a lot of it prior to that point. He was very critical of a lot of the changes that were made had, that had nothing to do with Callahan that had to do with Steve Peterson and changes of the, the Nebraska way. But that was still that was his take there as as a ex-player and as, as a fan of what he wanted to see. And right now, there's so many things that are, that are true there. I'm I know they're as I read that there's going to be some people that will listen to that. And especially the ones that wanted frost gone 10 months ago, and they still want him gone. Now they'll sit there and say, well, he got his three or four years. I, I get it. A decision was made last year by Trev to, to keep frost. Frost made a lot of changes. We have a lot of new coaches in there. There's a lot of moving parts. We talked earlier about Whipple and frost and how are they going to get together? Nobody thought that was just going to be a perfect thing on, on game one. It's going to take a little time. And as fans, I guess, the way I'm going to fan, I'm not going to tell anyone else how to do it. That's not, that's not my business and they don't need to listen to me anyways. I'm going to be patient here as patient as I can publicly. I'll text, I'll still text you guys during the game and say, damn it, we needed to run the ball. I will, I will always do that until the, until the day I'm dead. But that that's different than vocalizing and going online and saying wrong things about players. And, and if I ever write something that, re, that requires a parent of a player to ever have to come out and, defend something that I said, then 
that to me that that's the line of destructive and constructive right away i mean that's yeah, that's no, that's easy I, I hear you honk and i'm clear i mean i think the booing at the end of the half this week i don't think it was directed to any any one player for certain and in fact mm -hmm. it was probably directed at the coaching staff and frost in particular because they went through a process of calling all their timeouts to try to get the ball back and ended up only leaving themselves 13 seconds because they couldn't get off the, yeah. the, off the field. And then, you know, it, it felt like that was a very fruitless effort there. They they could have time managed a lot better. And I think that's where the booze were at. Right. I mean, so, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it's all a certain set of uh, degrees there. So the, the crazy thing is that the, the booze and I, I, Boomer, I'm kind of curious. I think you've been playing or putting up some of the comments, but I'd love if there's some more comments to put them up there or, or you know, read some of the ones, but. I, I'm not honestly the booing part doesn't necessarily bother me as as much as as some other things. I mean the 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 straight up callouts on social media and it you know the the just the vitriol that you see on some of the message boards. Booing is to me almost a more universal <laughs> like every it seems like every place does it. Maybe Rob, maybe the the Oakland fans have been wonderful over the years, and you you know you know what I take it just seems like the being wonderful. So yeah, well. <laughs> Yeah. Well, whatever. The uh, but I do take it back because after the TV did go off, they they did boo Derek Carr walking off the field in Oakland after the game. So I do take that back. So apparently they did. I don't yeah. remember seeing that on TV, but I did look it up. But yeah, regardless, screw you and your Raider fan hate because Broncos <laughs> in, in a perfect in a perfect world, I, I I would prefer we don't boo, right? But to Dave's sure. point too, in a perfect world, I would prefer it's not seven seven and a half, and that we're not you know calling time. Mm -hmm. I get I get the frustration from fans. I really do. But but one thing with that think that T H I N K is or what you're doing is it helpful? That's one I do think the role of a fan ideally should be to try to help the program out. And if you're doing something that is turning away recruits, that to Chancellor Brewington, it's the reason I wanted to play his audio is that this is the perspective of a player. And it's just one player that you could ask another player on the team. And that player, maybe he's like, oh, I don't care. You know, yeah, Garrett Nelson you might have a completely different perspective. Yes. So, so I, I don't play Chancellor Brewington's audio to say that's the, that's the, the end all be all. This is what this one guy thought. No, I mean, he's just one of 150 players, but it is just as a fan, the think thing I think matters. And or what you're saying, is it true? We went back and retracted something about Pat Fitzgerald. You know, I mean, I, I don't even care about Pat, Pat Fitzgerald, but if I said it wrong last week and I I, I, I said a, a quote that he didn't say, apparently, then I didn't say something true. Is it true? Is it helpful? Um, and as a fan, I want to do things and I want the show to try to do things that is about being helpful to the program, ideally. I mean, that's we all want to win. That's the, that's the one thing. Realist, optimist. I don't care. I've talked to so many different Husker fans. We all do want the team to win. It's just, it's people are just frustrated. And I think to Ron Brown's point there, especially as long as we've been frustrated for Christ's sakes. I mean, it's amazing. We keep showing up to do this in some yeah, ways. It, that was a question I had. Is it, I mean, I, again, I'm not saying we should be booing teams at halftime, but is leaving better than that or worse in your yeah, game? Look at UCLA. They just don't show up. Yeah, they either don't show up or, like I said, I've been to a lot of games where the fans just gave up at halftime and left. I mean, and that stadium was very empty towards the fourth quarter. God, I remember one game I was against Ohio State. It was cold. We were getting smoked. And I basically was given free reign to Wander Memorial Stadium because I was like one of like six people <laughs> left. And, yeah. and, the, and the guards stopped caring. They just, oh, you can go wherever you want. It's kind of fun. Well, well, Is that better or worse? I, I yeah, don't and, what, and Boomer, what do you think about – 
the NIL slash all the money discussion, does that, does that change the game? I mean, now, now are yeah, they that adds a whole new element to this, it, especially if, if we start considering how collectives work and that they're asking fans to contribute to it. So if I, as a fan am paying money that is going to directly to some of these players, I could certainly see some fans then saying, yes, I have a right to voice displeasure at this performance since I'm essentially paying for it now at this point. So that's, that's a whole new wrinkle to this. And I I don't know, again, I I don't boo anybody in particular, but I I could see fans taking that approach now just with, with NIL and the fact they're paying for it now. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the voice, I, I think that's a good point that we have the right to voice displeasure. I think we don't have the right to go out and type whatever we want and say whatever we want and make up things about players and, and threaten players. And my goodness, I, I don't know if I can find the, the, uh, oh, I, I don't think I have the graphic up here anymore. I put so many in there, but one of them was it's again, this isn't just a Nebraska thing last night, LSU. After that, there's uh, someone within the department. She wrote a tweet about, you know, about the player's mental health that really took off. And, um, you know, there's, again, when you lose games, you get people that are going to be attacking you from all over the place. And there's, there's things that, I think you have the right to do as fans and there's things I don't think you have the right to do. And if I really have to explain the difference between that, I, that's probably more on the other person. I'm not, I'm not going to go that deep. You is know? booing opponents. Okay. Well, is booing refs. Okay. I mean, I've booed oh, I refs. refs all the time. All the time I, right? I, I'm going to go mean, off on the Illinois refs here. And once we get to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, well, I mean, can, you can, you can boo toilet water all you want. I mean, that's referees are trash. Well, geez, Rob, wow, right Rob there, that was really, rough. really that's rough. But hey, man, after, 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 some call, after, after some of those calls, after some of those, after some of those, after some of those calls this weekend, I mean, seriously, with with replay, some of those calls, like, give me a break. Okay, let's not go down yeah. the, that yeah. road again, Rob. Uh, it's, that's a long one. We've got a long show ahead of us because we have not yes. even talked about <laughs> our offense or defense or the bet cast. And then you guys did a and I, yeah. yeah. So, so um, this this was thank you, Dave. By the way, for letting me kind of do this discussion because sure. I, I it was something I wanted to get out there, and and um, I don't know that we've come to any grand conclusions, but in general, I just say I'd like what the fan base when Nebraska's at its best, at just across the board, the fans are such a an active role, and that's in win or loss. I mean, I think of the losses like uh, Ricky Nelson or Ricky Williams, not Ricky Nelson, Ricky Williams, you know, ending our forty some game home win streak in 1998 yeah. and the Husker fans that? clap him off. Yeah. Hodge after the BYU first game of the Riley era, Merrill Hodge has a son on the BYU team. And that's a, that's an opportunity for fans to be at their worst. You know, that we get beat by a hail Mary and he goes on to ESPN afterwards and just says the most amazing fans I've ever been around the most amazing place. And I mean, I still get chills every time, even in losses, I get chills when I, when I know that, people say that about us that's still something that i just think is is amazing and i hate to i don't i hate to lose that i I will close on that honking the point is because we recognize nebraska fans in my opinion will recognize good football wherever we're at right Mm -hmm. ricky williams running wild on us he was a great individual performance i will clap my hands to that anytime yeah. Um, the BYU game, look, they beat us fair and square. That Hail Mary is a part of the game, and they pulled it off, right? That that That's not bad football I watched out there, right? I'm going to clap for that, right? You just give me bad football, and, that, and then that's a whole different story, right? And yeah, I think, Bobby you know, Bowden. 
Bobby Bowden till till the end, he talked about how great Nebraska fans were, and he kept quoting when we beat them, when they beat us like in '81, how they got clapped off the field. And and Abby's you know point there, and I've I've heard Abby say that before too that we're great fans to other teams. We are great fans to other teams. That is something we are. We're also we are great fans to Nebraska too. I mean, we show up and we 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 cheer and we we send tens of thousands of people to Dublin and and. Man, we were great fans to Nebraska in 2019 out in Boulder. All of us, man, we were yep. great fans. And and I understand the frustration of fans that you make that one more trip. And Or how many times, Dave, have, have we said, okay, I'm just not going to go on this game. I'm not going to do this one because I'm the, I'm the reason we're losing. It's, uh, it's obviously me. I have me. not seen an away victory since 95. <laughs> so, so, you know, you, we take it upon ourselves. I'm just not going to show up now because, I've, you know, every time I show up, we lose. So it's, it's probably my fault, you know. And, no, I'm not going to buy into that. I'm going to keep showing up. And, I, and with that hope that – and there's a lot of great fans. They're just – we have so many great fans. And a lot of times it's the loudest voice that is the negative one, right? And I guess David, but it's that loudest voice. And maybe, maybe I think a little bit to Abby's point and to some of the other other people that I've interacted with, sometimes maybe the, the point of reason has to be a loud voice too. A lot of times we just sit back. I I'm guilty of this. We sit back and we just let it happen. And no, we're the red cast. If, if we want to go out and attack a, an issue, we can attack an issue too. And 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 we can call people out if, if they're if they're being beyond obnoxious with it. And generally speaking, ninety five percent of this fan base is, is just amazing. And it's, sometimes it's those five percent you just gotta shake your head at. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough, one fair enough. one last final point too, and and that nobody's made is that we're coming off basically a short week for these kids. They traveled all the way back from they traveled to Europe, played a game, traveled all the way back from Europe still trying to adjust to the time. Anybody who's traveled over there knows that your clock is never right for at least like a week or so after you get back from a trip or go there. I mean, okay, you're right, Dave. I've only been there four times. What do I know? Um, You know, everybody's individual time clocks are different, Rob. So, and so, so, okay, cool, cool. Then thank you for agreeing with my point is that you've got an entire team of kids that have a lot of them had never even left the country before, let alone the state or the state that they lived in until they came to Nebraska. So they go through this entire travel process. They come back. They're expected to to practice, play a game, get, have their entire heads in it, plus their starting school, all these other things that are going on. Now we're going to have a whole nother week where they're going to have a chance to practice, where they're going to have a chance to come out there, play a game. They're going to probably be a lot more focused, especially after coming out in that second half and playing a lot better together. So, I mean, so the, I my, my only question, Rob, my only question, Rob, is that if they, if they don't do that, they come out and they play a really poor game and, and it's, and they're down by no more, and there's no more, excuses. It, it, but then, but then is it okay to boo then? No, is that, is that the time that it's okay? Then if no, the it's never okay they don't need boo. excuses, that's, that's you my don't, point. You don't, you yeah. don't, you don't, it's never okay to boo. Well, that's, that's Rob's opinion. Not all of us agree with that. Uh, let's move on, hockey, because yep. that's okay. I think we had a good yeah. discussion on it. So. Hey, Redcasters. I know the economy's been tough, and are you looking for a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having a competitive, stable history of over 20 years? What is FSC Edge, a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies? 
expert services, helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. And they support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the United States and Europe. You can work with fun people with great attitudes, learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer facing. You can dress just like me right now in your Husker tank top and your Go Big Red Cast hat. And you can work in a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. Job also comes with excellent benefits. Go check out available jobs today at www.jobsandfsc.com. And now, scoring explosion, the offensive breakdown. Scoring explosion is where we talk about all things Husker offense. And we did see some offense this week with 38 points. Uh, most of that coming in the second half. 31 points in the second half. Is that right? Oh, that's, mm-hmm. that's not bad, right? No um, reason to boo there, man. A lot, a lot of good offense. No, no. Yeah. They ended the game on a high note. Uh, it took um, quite a while to, to warm up. Um, but um, uh, the run game did actually show up quite a bit there, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, and the run-pass ratio that you just brought up there, Honky, was uh, more to our liking. That's for certain. Casey Thompson, 14 of 21, but with uh, 41 rushing attempts, led by Anthony Grant's 23 with a big uh, 189 yardage for Anthony Grant. Definitely showing he's uh, RB1 there, it looks like. Two touchdowns. A.J. Allen also having some separation um, as the number two back, although I, I still think that maybe you know Gabe Irvin or, or, or Yant or Ramir could get another shot at that. Um, but Anthony Grant does seem to be separating there. Um, Honky, what do you think overall about um, the, the offensive performance? Yeah, I, I think it's a tale of two halves. And in my head, um, in my head, walking away, I had Alex with me, so I did have to leave at half. And that's I never leave early, only when I have Alex and I take him to one game a year. But as we were driving home, in my head, I was booing the team in my head, not not out loud, but in my head, I was. I didn't like what I was seeing from the run-pass ratio, all those things. Really, the first six quarters, I just didn't like. And I said the same thing a week ago on this show. Um, From a constructive standpoint, we need to be able to run the football. We need to be able to use the legs of Casey. In that second half, we see him scrambling. We see him rolling out. Little rolls. The the, the touchdown pass to to Charleston Brewington, Chancellor Brewington. He's getting out of the pockets. A little play-action rollout. Get him out. Um, I'm, I'm, and then we we ran option. Uh, I'm defensive a little bit of the offensive line because I think it's sometimes it's so unfair what gets put on them. Look, they they make mistakes, and there's times where they have individual blowups, absolutely. But there are times schematically we can be doing things to make things easier on them, rolling things out, keeping backs in the backfield, and chip blocking, and not just having it be an empty backfield. Those are things that you can do to help your 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 quarterback in the pocket because we do have a much improved pocket awareness quarterback now with Casey. It's not even to me that is unquestionable. Give him a good pocket compared to to, to Martinez and it's night and day difference. He he is comfortable sitting in there. He's comfortable he finds the guy. He he releases it on time. And if you give him a bunch of pressure, Dave, you said it before the first game, you give him a bunch of pressure and he he's thrown off his back foot too. And so the point is if you're going to give him a pocket, do some things to give him the best pocket you can, chip blocking all that. And if not, use his legs, roll him out a little bit, get, you know, get him moving. I think that he's going to put a lot of stress on defenses. So I think there's something that can really be built off of from that second half. 
Boomer, what do you think there? I mean, uh, you know, there was questions about Casey's health at the end of that Northwestern game with his thumb. I didn't see anything um, of that nature, right? It felt like overall um, Thompson's healthy. Uh, they just decided to, to run the ball in the second half. Yeah, I mean, that's what was working. I mean, at some point you just have to go with what's working in a game. I mean, you may draw up certain things, and but if they're giving you, you know, running with Grant, then that's what you got to go with. So, yeah, and yeah, I was also slightly concerned, you know, Thompson ran to the medical tent at one point during that game. I wasn't sure what to make of that, but he came back mm-hmm. out and, and saw the field. So, you know, no worries there. Again, it's just... I don't know what to make of this game yet. This is kind of the thing where I, on its own, it looked good. But again, I just like my opening statement, I referred to last year, you know, we looked good against Fordham. We struggled a little bit early and then, and we thought we established something there and then never quite. Fordham last year, I almost forgot that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a similar thing. We started sluggish and Fordham was, you know, punching hard. And then, you know, that game was a bigger blowout than this. And mm-hmm. North Dakota is a better team than Fordham. I don't think anyone was going to question that. But right. It just, I, I need to see this game as part of a bigger picture. So I want to see what they do with it. Are they going to take what they learned from this game and actually do something with it? Or did this just happen to be a late-game fluke where we overpowered a team, where we should be overpowering a team with just the talent we have and the roster size and the fact we're at home? I don't know. So, And, and is this coaching staff going to take what they learned from it and do something with it? Are they going to communicate with each other or whatever it is they're supposed to be doing? And, and let's <laughs> collaborate. See. I, I, that's what I want to see. Collaborate. collaborate. Yeah, let's go collaborate. So it, it's, it's, it's a possible building block, but I'm reserving judgment. So so I, I didn't have time to hear the, the presser, but Rob, obviously you listened to it today, and I think it builds off of some of our conversation and the uh, rapid reaction on, on Saturday night I'll, a little bit. I mean, this question of like, who was calling plays in the second half? And, you know, why did the offensive philosophy become more creative in the second half? I mean, what, what are your takes on that? And what do you expect to see uh, this Saturday? Well, I mentioned it on Saturday and I'll say it again. And I've seen some other people on social media talk about it a little bit here and there. And, and, you know, you, you saw Frost walk over to Whipple at one point during the game. There's video of it out there. People can look it up all they want um, of him. They stood, they st- Stood next to each other. They weren't arguing. They weren't, there was no, like, there didn't seem to be any sort of discourse, anything like that. It was just basically the two of them having a conversation, nodding their heads to each other, coming to some kind of an agreement because Frost just kind of looked at him. And then I I can't remember he patted him on the back or what he did, but then he turned around, he walked back the other way because the defense was coming on the field. I think it was right after a touchdown. And I think it was basically in my guess, and I'm, I'm just guessing here. It was a conversation kind of like, yeah, see if we if we work this with that and we do this scheme right here and do these plays with that, like you know, this is what's gonna work for us. And you know, obviously this is because and it could be game to game. We might, you know, again, the run pass ratio of this game was what 40, 41 to 23 or 26 or something like that. And we could turn around next week easily and see it again, more like Northwestern because that's what the defense is giving us. And this week, I uh, think that's what no. it turned into. Well, no, I'm just well, was giving no, us that's the problem. No, Rob, right? Absolutely I mean, not. They came out, they came out guns ablazing and throwing. And well, they, they can, always they come out. To, they always come out though. Like in the last, in the four starting drives, Trev or not Trev Frost made that point today though. He said in our first drive in the first half and our first drive in the second half in both games, what did they do? Mm-hmm. They came out and they scored touchdowns because they seem to work really well when everything is schemed out. Right. And then from sure. that point on, I think they started doing what the defense was giving them. And that was the yeah. run. Well, you can scheme a lot of things. Well, but they, they no, okay. no Rob. 
You need, okay. you need, I, I just went back and watched the game again. And, and I'm just okay. saying, it just seemed like the run was working. And so that's what they started. That's what they started going to. They ran 11 times in a row at one point. Well, after they've had five turnovers in two games, every yeah. single turnover has come out of the passing game, nice. the interceptions, a sack, that's a fumble. And then a fumble that shouldn't have been a fumble off of a catch, but for what it's worth, five turnovers have all come out of the passing game. Yeah. Now, and two of we, those interceptions hit the receiver's hands, so you can't really put that on Tom. I don't care. That's the passing yeah. game. It's okay. the you know, there's the old saying that there's three things that can happen on a pass, and only one of them's good. So don't tell me it's a drop. Don't tell me it's a missed block, and that's why he got sacked, and that's why he fumbled it. Don't tell me that you know we can't run option because a guy's going to get hurt. I don't want to run our quarterback 25 times a game, but but to Boomer's point, our guy's going to the tent because he's getting hit in the pocket too. And it can be because our for all the people that say the O-line's terrible, fine. It could be for that. It could be because of other reasons where we aren't chip blocking or we aren't. There's a lot of things that go wrong when the, when the pass goes wrong. We need to develop a running game, and we need to be doing it now. The earlier, the better. You're not going to develop a running game in November when you're finally playing Minnesota and those guys. you got to be developing it now. And developing the run game for us means getting the quarterback involved in it. Because we're not going to line up in double tight ends under center with full house backfields and fullbacks. That's not our style. So we're going to do what we do. And, and and we did some innovative look in that second half. You and, saw Chris. And I don't disagree with you, you, you saw Manning out there more. You, you saw some different yeah. sets. You saw some bigger guys out there. We'll get Vokalek. Vokalek before but before the game for a guy that hurt his ankle. Vokalek is out there doing jumping jacks with the team, which is great to see. I have no doubt that we will see Volkolek back sooner than later, and he's a big part of this offense. He's a great blocking part of it, and he's a huge target that's going to be great for, for Casey Thompson. I think percentage-wise, what we saw in this 41-21 to 21 today, you know, that was that's a low number of plays. But if we're going to have about 80 plays, I think we're going to be best somewhere around a 50-30 to 30 kind of thing. 50 runs, 30 passes, if you were going for 80 plays, that would probably be about – uh, you know, on, on any given average day, that would be a good ratio for us. Well, and, and I don't disagree. I, I like the run. I actually think I said that on Saturday that honky would honky's going to blow. I'm going to blow his mind by saying like, Oh my God, run the damn ball. I mean, if, we, if we're going to use the run to open the pass and we pass less than we run, that's fine. Well, but, get create, get creative. You know, yeah, we, I just, it, you know, I just wouldn't be surprised if I mean, and most of the and most of the Big Ten teams, I, I agree, are good against the run. That's one thing that they are good. But also, most of those teams didn't really show a whole lot of anything this weekend either. You know what I mean? Like looking at it, like how many of those Big Ten teams did you look at and go, "Oh my God, they're gonna kill the entire league this year"? You know, I mean, none of those teams look looked very good at anything. You know, other than maybe defense. Iowa's defense is you need an offense to win the big time, Iowa's playing Iowa was playing a team in the same league as North Dakota. You know that? Sure. And generally I mean, speaking, slightly better. But I we, we point yeah. taken there, Rob. Could we I, I wanted to go back to honky with uh, the the pass offense and, and the run mm-hmm. and and Vokalek in particular. I mean, to your point, hopefully we see Travis Vokalek back. Um, it seems like we have a lot of tight ends in that room. Um, the second string tight end, I, I'm going to mispronounce his name. Honky, can you help me with? with... Are you talking about Borkercher and Borkercher? Is that how you say it, Borkercher? Yep. It's intriguing. I mean, I, is he still a walk-on or is he earned a scholarship? I don't know if he's earned the scholarship yet, but he was. He's came here as a walk-on. Yeah, yeah. And look, I mean, he he got a touchdown pass 
Mm-hmm. Looked better. He he did, um, you know, maybe looked a little bit um, trying to get up to speed in that Northwestern game when when Travis Vokalik went out. But it is intriguing to me that we haven't seen um, Chris Hickman. We did see him a little bit in this game. Yeah. But, I mean, like, I would, I'd be thinking from a, a downfield passing threat, um, and he's played a lot, isn't that? Like, Chris Hickman hasn't seen the field in the last couple of years, that he isn't on there a little bit more. Same thing, I'd love to start seeing A.J. Rollins out there. Um, that, it seems like we have some depth there that I'm not seeing yet. I'm a little surprised about that. That's what you started to see some in the second half, and they're on the field. So Rollins did start to play there. Good, for okay. Hickman getting I know out I saw there. Hickman. I didn't see Rollins. Mm-hmm. And, and and it is, I, I think Rob made this point earlier, and this is very important. I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to, to any Redcasters out there right now. Some of these guys are literally playing their first games of, of college football. Um, a guy, you know, we'll talk about defense later, but a guy like Colton Feast, I mean, he's been in the program for four years, but he's just finally playing his first games. He hasn't really played football at this level in, in a number of years. And Borkercher, I mean, he, you know, played very sparingly, if that, you know, a year ago. So now they're, they're playing meaningful mints. So, and Borkercher was one of those guys that, had a drop or two, you know, in the Northwestern game. And if anything came out of this, you talked about Iowa and them playing South Dakota state and us playing North Dakota. If nothing else came out of this, I really wish this was our first game last week. I wish we didn't looking back on it. Now I wish we didn't go to Ireland only for the sense that with all the change that happened this off season with the, with the roster and the coaching staff, you could have used a game like this because that's the thing with Iowa. You know, they win seven to three in the ugliest way. You can, they have to score three times to get seven, but they win the game and they're going to be better for it. Now they're, they're fixing things in practice this week and getting a couple guys healthy and they'll show up and play Iowa state and they'll probably beat them 35 to 10. They probably will. And, and the most important thing for Iowa that came out of that day was they were one and oh, for us, the same thing could have been said, you know, the most important thing is we come out of that game one and oh, and the problem is that, you know, we, we came out of that day 1-0, and but we had the one loss hanging on us already from the week before. And we don't know how good Northwestern is going to be or not be. Northwestern might might win the darn West again, you know. And and, and at the end of the season, we're looking at a three-point loss to the to the West champs. Who knows? We don't know that yet, but it's just – it's so early. Um, I just wish – gosh, that I think that game – I'm hoping this – is, this is my scarlet-colored glasses, Dave. This is me crossing the fingers – I think that they saw some things that that started to work, and I'm like, you can build off of this. We're going to get to defense, so I don't even want to get into the blitzes and the and the man-to-man stuff. But on offense, the things we did with Casey, some of the personnel groups that they were doing, they were different than what than what we saw a lot of the first six quarters. So maybe we we're starting to see them figure some things out. Yeah, I hear you. Hey. Remind me, I'm just thinking through the offensive performance. And I think we talked about this a little bit on the rapid reaction. Maybe our listeners can go back and, and listen to that. But I think it was a good conversation about um, having kind of playmakers at every different kind of p- position group. Last year, there was a it was a coach or a player who mentioned like, hey, we just knew we had to stop Adrian Martinez. We need to stop number two and we didn't have anybody else to worry about. Remember that? Or was it a couple of years ago? I don't know who that was. But there was a quote saying like, hey, look, Adrian Martinez is how that that drink is stirred at Nebraska. And if you can stop Adrian, you're, you're going to win the game. Mm-hmm. It does feel like I'd love to see this offense continue to evolve and that there's some individual performances where some, in some game, Casey Thompson does just kind of take over and have a great game like he did versus Oklahoma at, at while well, he was at Texas. But you see Trey Palmer may, may have that 
that potential in him to kind of take over a game. We've already seen Anthony Grant starting to do that. He might have – you could claim he took over the game there in the fourth quarter. Co-offensive player of the uh, the Big Ten this week. Yeah, you could see Travis Vokalek potentially do that as a tight end position. Um, maybe defensively, someone like Garrett Nelson could do that or O'Shawn. It'd be awesome to start seeing those things happen where you see um, a, a lot more depth of – um, the the dudes that kind of can really make a difference, really make their imprint. I think they make a big difference on the perception of the program if we go in a few games with individuals really leading the way it, different each time, you know? Mm-hmm. Rob, I want to apologize to you earlier about the, the passing stuff. I feel like I, I attacked you there and I didn't mean to do that. I, I, I want to see from the beginning of the game, what I'd really want to see is Casey, even if we throw the ball – if we threw the ball six times on the opening drive, but he's rolling out and moving the pocket kind of thing that what, what, what was so unimaginative for six quarters was pocket passes or a handoff, hand just off. straight handoff. Yep. And, and, and really quite honestly, not very good fakes even. I mean, that's, not good. After that's not good football, no matter what level it, you're it, on. Really. It really was. It was, it was, and it was almost like it was safe and it was like, let's not make the mistake. Maybe, maybe that's the case. I don't know. But to me, what we started to see in that that fourth quarter, kind of with their their backs against the wall, where it's like you got to, Rob, you you said it perfect on the uh, rapid reaction when they tied it up at seventeen seventeen. This season is on the brink. This team is either going to fold and 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 this is it, or boom, they came around with twenty one straight points, pushing the ball down the field and doing the things that they needed to do. Um, so they took the right route of the two. And I think with their backs against the wall a little bit, we saw them do some things and, and open some things up that that maybe they thought they didn't have to do against Northwestern I, or North Dakota. I don't care. These are things we're going to have to do against everybody. I don't. There's just nobody on the schedule is irrelevant to me right now. We just have to. We've got to figure some things out that are going to work for us, and then just do them. Let's get good at what we do. Don't worry about who we play. Just get good at what we do. Yeah, yep, and I hope I and I hope this weekend that that we have that opportunity. I I, I know. Are we going to talk about the Georgia Southern team here coming up? Because that's something that I mean, mm-hmm. even we'll get into it a little bit in a little we'll bit. Okay, have, yeah, good. Um, yeah, defensively, I mean, what Georgia Southern does. Do you know? Do we have a bit of a preview there? I I don't know personally. I know from an offensive standpoint, they have the same quarterback that. Uh, uh, Buffalo had Buffalo last had year, a year ago. So. Yeah. So yeah. The, a lot of that was actually brought up in the presser today too, to one of the players. And he basically said, yeah, you know, that it's basically to sum it up and this isn't a quote at all, but it's, it was basically like, yeah, we know what this guy can do and what he looks like out there on the field. So, you know, in some ways that that can help us from a defensive standpoint. Right. Yeah, well, they, we, they, and we can talk about we'll that, get to on, that and we'll get on to defense, that. Yeah. But, but um, I mean, offense, they are, Georgia Southern last weekend. So they played a game. They beat was it Murray Morgan State. Morgan State. Morgan um, State. What was the score there, Boomer? Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. Uh, a little. 59 to oh. 7. Okay. So, the, you yeah, know, they were very pass happy in that game. So it's a, it's yeah. a change from the typical. They, they, they set all kinds of records or something in that for the, for the, school. they've been a running mm-hmm. offense for decades. So yeah, they were, they were, you know, they had a Paul Johnson and they were kind of a triple option team for the longest time. They and have Clay taken over and completely dude. flipped it. Does your business need easy competitive financing for heavy machinery, trucks, or other equipment? Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the best financing options for equipment, trucks, and other big ticket items. Just fill out an application and Currency Finance does the rest. Currency is equipment financing made simple. 
Go to GoCurrency.com for details. Offers may vary and are arranged by Express Tech Financing LLC DBA Currency pursuant to CFL License 60DB054873. It's time to throw the bones. All right, let's talk about all things Husker defense with throwing the bones and uh, recap a little bit of what we saw in Northwestern and what we can expect um, this Saturday. Go ahead, Rem. I said, I don't want to talk about Northwestern. I want to talk about. Oh, I'm sorry. I said Northwestern. I apologize. <laughs> I mean, North. I, I'm not used to, we never do previews on this show. So I didn't, I, I'm, I, I, my head is around like uh, the fact that I did not look up the Georgia, Georgia, Georgia Southern team uh, until still. And I apologize to Honkies. I told him I was going to do that and I no, didn't right. do it. So I have nothing on them besides what I tweeted to you or texted you to you. I would never want to be on a group project with you, Dave. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I know. This, is, this happens to be a hobby instead of a job um but uh throwing the bone so uh i I should have um, so clay helton they're going to throw the ball more than what they have traditionally done in the past uh and by a hundredfold it's not even close Mm -hmm. it's a massive transition i mean i have no idea what morgan state uh gave uh showed them but i mean you're you're talking about a an offense that for the last three decades has been a triple option except for a few minor exceptions uh, with coaches that didn't last very long and to switch over to a West coast offense is, is quite dramatic. So um, it's hard to read what, what that actually tells us, how they got to 50 some points last week against Morgan state, because um, they, you wouldn't think they would have the personnel packages, you know, even with transfers in like the Buffalo quarterback to be that effective of a West coast team or passing team in general, compared to what their personnel has been for, for a long time. So. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, we can we can talk more about Georgia Southern, but I don't know who else knows knows anything more about that team. But I mean, we do have a a game to react to a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, defense for us. If let's say they're going to come out and throw the ball a whole bunch against us, right? What did we start to see different again? Kind of this is a tale of six quarters, and then the last two on both sides of the ball. And those first six quarters um, didn't have a sack through six quarters, and you saw. I, I'm not going to call it passive with the rush, but but a lot of zone defense. It was something I brought up a week ago. A lot of times where we would get a team into third and 12, third and long, and they complete a pass in front of our guy, and our guy's either flat-footed and the guy ca- you know is standing there in a zone, and the guy catches it and then you know has a, you know runs and get, gets the first down, or the tackling. And the tackling it still needs to get much better. I mean, it's been really rough through through two games and. The, the amount of times that we've missed that first tackle and then a guy goes off and gets yards after, after contact, they've extended so many drives, both Northwestern and North Dakota. So we've, we've done the hard work. You get yourself to third and 12 and the reward should be big max sack attacks. Then that's, that should be the reward. And instead, you know, those first six quarters, you'd see a lot of the zone. Now, by the end of that game, uh, that knockdown that was uh, that held him to a field goal right in the end zone. That knockdown, that's man to man guys right draped on him. The last play of the game for them, where it's uh, oh, it'd be uh, Hill. You know, a, a couple plays after he got that one, as you said, Dave. Uh, you know, kind of the the silly uh, holding right. penalty. Well, he didn't really need to. He had really solid coverage there. We've got some gamers. We've got some athletes in that backfield. It's time to, I think, let them loose and let them cover. And uh, you know, if we're if we're concerned that Georgia Southern's receivers are, are going to, you know, just fly by us one-on-one, I mean, we're going to have bigger troubles down the road. So 
We've got to have some trust in those guys and, and let, let Nelson loose, let Mathis loose, let Tanner loose. We started to see those guys in the backfield a little bit more, got two sacks in the second half. And uh, that, that changed the game for us too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Honky, well, looks like we've got it. Go ahead, Rob. Oh, I was going to say one of the things about their offense, though, that I mean, if we're if we're looking at that too, is is that um, they do spread the ball out a lot to the receivers. It looks like I think the he completed what three hundred sixty seven yards of passing they had, and to ten different receivers. It looks okay. like here, so they spread the well, ball out a lot to the to the yeah, and so that's a lot, and so there's going to be a lot of different looks. I'm guessing from those from those receivers because I think they ran mm-hmm. the ball. It was like a forty six to thirty one run uh pass to run ratio for them so and most of their rushes look like they came from pretty close they had four rushing touchdowns but i think they were all pretty close to the goal line so so hockey you have this uh tweet up here with um uh do you walk away from yesterday's 21 point victory north dakota more or less optimistic mm-hmm. uh 66 percent had had less and then husker nut talks about the tackling has been terrible for two weeks uh in a row now um you know i mean like, how can they how can they turn the the table or the turn the turn the story around i guess on on the tackling i, I mean it feels like this is something that they need to practice um with some some physicality to to get that fixed and they're gonna need to get it fixed soon um before oklahoma comes to town because they are gonna have playmakers that can expose you in in, in spaces so Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, thanks to all the Redcasters that voted on that poll. I mean, we had like 2,500 votes and a ton of responses and a lot of really good responses there. It, you know, more and less, you know, positive and negative on what they've seen. With the tackling, it is one of those things. I think our response to Husker Nut there was, look, we got to get it fixed and fixed soon because um, when you have a team like Oklahoma coming in here, if we miss that first tackle, those guys are going to be taking those plays to the house. And, you know, I, I haven't been at practice all fall camp. So I don't know. Uh, obviously Quentin Newsom, I think said after the Northwestern game that uh, they didn't do as much tackling and some of that's to try to be preventative injuries. And I, I totally get it. But at the end of the day, you have to play football. You have to practice football and injuries, unfortunately are sometimes a part of that. And I know we love to, you know, green Jersey, everybody, but you're going to eventually have to tackle somebody in a game. And, and, and the best way to do that is get there into the practice. Now, for what it's worth, what came out of press conference today was that Frost and this kind of it's this feels like CEO out of him is that they came out. We're, we're doing more one on ones now, one versus ones in practice now right. this week. And it's that need of we have to be. Oh, yeah. And Abby, Abby said that right there, too. That's a great point, Abby, that the ones versus ones. I mean, you got to get good on good. You, you, you risk an injury. And I get that but practice has to make you better and you can't get better at something like tackling if you don't tackle and, and full speed tackle at times. Cause that's what's happening in these games. They'll, they'll throw a quick out and we have a one-on-one guy out there and he darts right by and he's hit with the wrong shoulder or whatever. And we've, we've missed so many countless ones like that. The yards after contact on some of these receptions that Northwestern North Dakota had against us are is, you know, that has to get better. And so, Hopefully it gets better with just rep after rep after rep. Um, and we did, again, I, I sound like a broken record here, the, the amount of young guys getting their, their first place. And, and I don't mean that in the sense that I realize the other team can say the same thing too. I, I'm sure North Dakota had young guys catching balls. I'm sure Northwestern did too. But I'm just saying from our perspective, 
that was Ernest Hausman out there starting and playing so many downs and, and he'd miss a tackle here or there, but man, he'd make a tackle too. And it's like, you see, you see all the potential and say, like, yeah, you know, he's one of those guys. I want to build that guy up. I don't want to boo him when he, when he misses a tackle. I want to build that guy up because we're going to, that guy's going to play a lot of good football for us for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I mean, it was great to see him out there. It's very cool to have a Columbus high alum out there starting for Nebraska as a true freshman. Um, I, I think I did see, um, and I always pronounce uh, Kolarevic incorrectly. Boomer, how do you actually say his last name? Kolarevic, I think is Kolarevic. Yeah, um, I go with that. <laughs> um, you know, out there maybe a little bit more um, mm-hmm. in the linebacker position later in the game, but yeah, the depth is still still concerning. Um, and uh, against Oklahoma, you know, a good it's good to get Ernest Hausman reps now because if he he's going to have to play that much versus Oklahoma, he needs every rep he can get. Mm-hmm. And that's tough to throw a true freshman in right there. Hopefully Heinrich is healthy, healthy are, and, and back at him. Are you saying what, what did Kalarvik come in and play some middle, like inside linebacker I, then? I, it it might've been, I don't think it was Clements, but I thought I saw Kalarvik's 31. I thought I saw him in mm-hmm. eventually playing inside linebacker. I, I, and I'd have to watch some of that at the end. And the reason I think that's important is that, we saw some Phelan Sanford at the end and made yeah, him tackle. And that might've been him. That might've been him too. It's a good question. And he was playing some at, um, at the next spot. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, along with Gifford and Gifford's the starter, yeah. but they can, they, they might have, you know, this guy might be the next spot on some run plays. And then this guy's more of a, a defensive back, Nick. I mean, I don't know how they exactly split that up, but to your point, we need some of the inside depth until Nick Henrik gets back. And I don't know what his timetable is. It looked like he had something on his wrist. So I'm right. guessing that's what that – obviously that injury was. And hopefully he's back by this weekend or certainly by Oklahoma. Uh, you know, Reimers um, – look, we've just – we've seen we've seen some missed tackles. We've also seen guys going to the same gap in some plays. You know, there's been, there's been just some communication things. I don't want to overreact to this yet, but – and I, I have all the confidence in Shenander to get this defense – moving okay i mean i i think he's he's earned that right he's he's built some good defenses now for us or last year's defense certainly so i think they're going to get it corrected but yeah it's it's one of those things that we need to see market improvement this week and and um i thought i i really thought we saw improvement as the game went on that's what and they fundamentally were doing some things different in the second half a lot more man-to-man than what we were seeing in the first and that's in the first six quarters and that's Again, these are the takeaways that I hope we see right away. I hope, I hope those those takeaways lead to sixty minutes of consistent good football, leads us to to a comfortable victory, and maybe we can empty the bench this week, which we didn't get to do last week. If that happens, that happens. I'm a pretty happy two and one at that point. Yeah, absolutely, Boomer. Uh, we could wrap up a little bit here. Let's talk about special teams because we did have some some highlights there. A blocked punt for the first time in probably a while um, and a 46 yeah, right. yard field goal made and, and some good punting again. Right. Yeah. Once again, uh, special teams haven't been the, the dumpster fire that they'd been for the last few seasons. So it, it's kind of that element of the, of the team where if you don't have to talk about them, you're in good shape. So uh, outside <laughs> of the, you know, the breaking a, a punt return or a, or a kickoff or a touchdown, but if you're not talking about them, then, then you're all right. I mean, again, we can look back last night. If you're LSU, I mean, you can see what special teams can just about destroy your entire game. And, and they tried to do it twice in the last couple of minutes of that game. So, so far, so good. So, yeah. 
<laughs> very true. Very true. Uh, all right, guys. Well, uh, before we get to the bet cast, Tonky, I'm, I'm sure you have a, a, a parting shot here. Um, and I, I bring this up. It was really cool to see photographs of uh, Alex Honky there with uh, Will Compton um, at the pregame, uh, throwing the bones and um, praying for Husker victory, apparently. <laughs> Um, I, I got to ask also, you know, I, I was talking to my wife and she mentioned there was you know, video of, of Will playing the um, in the band. Right. Uh, I guess that was the beginning of the fourth quarter. And mm -hmm. it was something to do with uh, Timmy Trumpet and this uh, the song that was viral on the Internet about um, the Mets closer. Boomer, do you have a backstory on this at all? Ah, the backstory of the song is Narco. Uh, it's uh, kind of a collaboration between um, uh, DJ Blaster Jackson, and Timmy Trumpet, uh, an Australian DJ. Uh, he likes playing the trumpet live, mixing some kind of Latin jazz elements into his music. And it's it's just been a popular song. Like I said, uh, Edwin Diaz has been using it for a few years as a closer. And it's kind of got that fun trumpet sound to it. So why the heck not? I mean, We've been a big fan of, uh, you know, brass band and, you know, yeah, um, I, I, as a Whalers fan, you know, Brass Bonanza was always a classic, and you know, so why not? Why not throw it in? Herb Alpert, you know, we're yeah, big Herb Alpert. Enjoy that too. And it could be. Uh, and a had new... we stole serious from you know the the Bulls, the Bulls before? Bulls. Why not steal somebody else's song? So let's do it. It, so, yeah. it could be something too that could become maybe a, a fourth quarter. It was in between the third and fourth quarter, and it could be one of those things that could be done during the daytime, because uh, that's the whole thing with Thunderstruck. You're really limited, like this. This weekend, we envision with a night game that we'll see Thunderstruck being sure. played going into We've the fourth quarter. But, <laughs> we, but, but obviously, um, you know, that's it's hard to do that in the middle of the day. So this could be that. I don't know. And it was really cool. I mean, he was up there and going back and forth with the band behind him. It, it was it was funny. But I, it, from my perspective here, my parting shot is just it, it was really cool. It was also my hot take at the very beginning. Um, what Will did, I mean, he had – there was 50 or 60 college kids all around him. And it was just going line after line. Everyone won photos with him. And that dude, he didn't turn anyone down. And, and then I get Alex up to them and he just gets right down to Alex's level. Same, you know, same height there. And he goes, Hey, little buddy, let's say a prayer. And he, they do that. And then I say, hey, throw the bones and they threw the bones and, and it was just really cool. So uh, a great experience. It was, you know, I knew that game wasn't going to be a four-quarter game for me at the stadium with Alex, but if I could get him even to halftime, I almost did. I got him through halfway through the, the second quarter. Huge progress, and uh, I look forward to keep taking him uh, in future years. So a lot of fun there. Looking forward to watching the BetCast, guys. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning into the 10th annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. Now back to our show. The BetCast Picks of the Week. All right, here we go, guys. Uh, BetCast segment of the RedCast, and it was not a... A glorious uh, weekend um, for at least three of us. Uh, I, I took Skip's advice and took Tulsa, and um, they had that game for a while, but ultimately lost to Wyoming in overtime. Boomer, it was too uh, too good to be true. Um, Illinois uh, lost Indiana. I, I knew that line stunk, and sure enough, there it is. Um, and I probably overthought my uh, 
Colorado State at Michigan over at 61 and a half. That did get to 58, um, but I probably should have just simply took the Michigan cover at around 30 some points because that would have been quite easy. Uh, but Rob, um, keeping it simple, keeping it basic, taking the Horn Frogs to cover two touchdowns to Colorado. I did take that as well, and uh, it landed. You had to feel pretty good, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, living in Colorado, one of the things that you really get to hear is no zero talk about the Colorado Buffs. And they're <laughs> true. <laughs> I hear more I hear more radio chatter on the UNC Bears and, and CSU football up here in northern Colorado than I do um the CU Buffs. And and the fact of the matter, they're just not a good football team and they might almost be my Kansas for the year, right? As far as um you know taking them on 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 a lot of different bets because I really don't see them winning more than two or three games maybe the entire season. Um, yep. So, and when I saw TCU too, I knew TCU is a big 12 team, right? So, I mean, they're, they're not yep. going to come out here and they're not going to come out here and, 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 and be trash. And they were, and they, they're always kind of a decent team. So I didn't see it. two touchdowns. I mean, give it to me all day against Colorado. So, yeah, that didn't seem like that was a, a low number and, and you found some value there, obviously. Yeah. Um, I, I will say though, I, I was really surprised at the Wyoming at the Wyoming game. And the only reason that I stayed away from that one at all this weekend was because in Wyoming, that altitude for any team, especially a team like Tulsa coming from like, I mean, is Tulsa like below sea level at this point? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I, I'm not sure with all the fracking that goes on in Oklahoma. They Probably may have around like lowered about 20 plus feet. or minus. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, so that's a big change for them. And and especially this early in the season when, when teams are still getting game conditioned, right? Um, it Maintaining four quarters up there in Wyoming is not going to be easy for anybody. I was just surprised because Wyoming's just was not a good team the week before. I think they generated like 46 yards of offense or some crazy thing in one half. And, but somehow they managed to pull this one out. I don't, they scored 40 points against Tulsa, which. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had, had two yeah. overtimes. They also yeah. had, I believe a, a pick six or it was a scoop and score. Like one of the very first plays of the game, they went up seven, nothing um, right off the bat. And that's that seven points mattered because ultimately mm-hmm. Tulsa had taken the lead and, Led for most of the second half, um, but ultimately uh, went to overtime and, and lost there. You know, last week, uh, the week before, we were uh, much better. Uh, Rob now 2-0 and um, with uh, the first two weeks of the season. I did win uh, my first week game as well as Boomer. Producer Skip, who's uh, the best gambler of, of the bunch, actually. Um, sometimes it's tough to pick your best bet, right? I mean, it doesn't mean... You, you didn't have a successful week. Um, I won a bunch of other games out there last week. Um, I just, and I'm going to win tonight. It looks like, but I just, I didn't pick the right one. Right. And so um, it is, is always a challenge, but um, that's the, the beauty of something like um, the BetCast pick. I'm going to plug that one more time before we start breaking down the games is that, um, you know, you have uh, your two lowest weeks are thrown out here and there's a lot of games to pick. Um, so it's not just one bet that you're trying to win off of. Um, like what we do with our best bets, um, you'll probably have uh, 15 to 25 games to pick each week. Uh, so make sure you sign up for our uh, Go Big Redcast best bets, uh, college football pick them, group IDs 5209, password BetCast. All right, guys, what do you got? Oh, go ahead, I was going to say, though, while we're on the subject of that, too, if you if you want to know, Dave, um, looking at like the first week's results, Boomer um, actually had the best results on the Pick'em this week uh, with 17 points. Um, and 
after that is myself and then with, with 16 and then you had 15 and skip is down there in 14 points for the week. So that one may actually end up getting eliminated for, for skip in the long run, because it could be one of his, you know, worst two weeks over the season, but somebody got 20 points on that, which means they picked 20 games, right? So good job. Yeah. Against the Good job, Dougie's picks. I hope you made thousands of dollars on those two. I hope yeah, if betting is legal wherever it is that you live. How's that? So. Yep. And I would also say my uh, best bets of the week would be good if Big Ten rest were all competent and could like, view a screen <laughs> and see what happened in a game. I'm still furious about that one. I mean, for the love of God, that was a Oh, sure. You say it and nobody says anything. I call them toilet water and everybody uh, – No, I, I'm, I'm paranoid on the bedcast. <laughs> this is where I can move. There's money at stake here, Rob. So this is where I can actually say something. I mean, yeah, yeah. that was a terrible call. That w- I mean – there wasn't anybody who watched that game that didn't think that was a touchdown, and they blew that. And that would have completely changed that entire game. It's four points they lost. They probably would have kicked the field goal when it was fourth and one there. So it should have been up seven, and that was a – or seven extra points Illinois should have had, and that should have been a win. And plus the other smashing pumpkins moment of that game was, you know, when I texted you guys earlier, it was uh, – I, I, I wanted to make a world of so dark pick and pick Florida as my best bet of the week. You should have. I know I should have. I, I had it out there. I dangled it and pulled it back at the last minute. Damn it. it Your yeah. world is so dark picks almost always come true. I Burma. know they do, and I, I, I don't want them to. It's a power I don't want to have, Dave. That's that's the worst part about it. I mean, you I pretty much just that. take the SEC to win, and that's pretty usually much. probably it's, a pretty good bet. It's a cross-eyed bear, and I, I should you know, do it more often, but I don't. I just, I just wish something else would happen, and it never does. So, so far, I've heard you mention, like, Smashing Pumpkins and an Alanis Morissette lyric in in a matter of thirty seconds. So yeah, we're going very nineties kind of you know yeah. quasi. I, forever, I thought it was a cross-eyed bear that he gave to her, but apparently it's <laughs> maybe cross- it was. I don't know. <laughs> a grizzly. It's just really confused. Well, you know, it's just like there's a bathroom on the right. Yes. Of of the nineties, uh, you know, Texas uh, was not bad in the nineties, and um, one of the. Big games this week early on Saturday morning, at least here in Colorado, is Alabama visiting Austin. And uh, Alabama, I think, is uh, minus 20 right now on the road in Austin. I got this bet last night at minus 19 and a half. It opened yep. up at 18 and a half, I think. Uh, Boomer, you have any interest in uh, grabbing Alabama? Oh, while I, it's still I, under 21? As soon as I saw that 19 and a half, if you're not taking Bama at this point, yeah, I, I don't know why you wouldn't. I, I, it's hard to have a ton of faith in Texas. They're early. You don't know a lot about this coaching staff, what they're going to do. And Bama covers that stuff so easily. It, that's a 20 some point win, I think, for Bama just at this point. So, and saving yeah, makes that, that, that elusive third win on the road. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. And take, take Bama to cover the first half spread. Yeah. Rob, you like that money that I gave you last week? <laughs> I, I, you know, you know what's funny is, and, and is that um, I've, I'm actually building some cornhole boards for the Redcast. Um, and, uh, one of our one of our our friends of the show, um, Shane and Laura, over at Smack and Smooch, and so I spent all day Saturday building cornhole boards, and I just I didn't put any money down this weekend at all. Um, so normally, you did not make money on the Alabama I, first I, half, which covered I, easily as I, usual. I did not, and and I just I, I had a lot more stuff going on this week. I was trying, you know, where I'm coming coming to Lincoln this weekend. I'm leaving on Thursday. I have a lot of stuff to get done, and I just. I neglected of all the things that I had on my list to do. That was probably near the bottom of it. All so. right. Well, let's get back to the bet casting here. Um, 
And uh, I, I'll have I'll throw one more game out, and then I'll throw it to to Boomer and Rob. I've got several others I want to talk about, but Rob, you mentioned Colorado might be in your Kansas this year. Uh, they are at, at Air Force in Colorado Springs, down at the academy. Um, this number's around 17 right now. I don't know how where it's going to go, but I think Air Force is a Mountain West uh, contender, and Colorado may not win more than two games at best this year. Uh, kind of like the Falcons to cover that 17 points. Yeah, the only thing that worries me on that game, and it's funny because because I was gonna. The only thing that worries me on that on that game is how much Air Force runs the ball, right? So they're not gonna have the as much. We'll say, I mean, they have the same amount of clock, obviously, but they're gonna be running the clock a lot as as usual. So it'll be 17 points is a lot for a team that runs the ball a lot. I don't know what their average. I don't think Colorado's gonna score that much. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fair. You know that that's fair. At least you know at least they will have a probably a good fan base there. At least it's only right down the road in Colorado Springs from from Boulder. Colorado, there's um, not that many CU fans gonna be down there. You don't think so? No. They barely well, show up to their own stadium. Oh, God, God, Dave, you stole my joke from me. God. Um. I mean, come on. <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah, that's that, that, that's a very and, – and if you've ever tried to go down I-25 to get to an Air Force game before, I mean, you're basically sitting in traffic until halfway through the game. It's like you're in Los Angeles going to a Dodgers game or something. Well, there you go. Um, All right. So I, I know. That, it just worries me because they run. Um, they, they run the ball so much. The game that I'm interested in is the Iowa-Iowa State game. Dang it, Rob, you're stealing my game. Well, and that's okay. So maybe, are you talking about the under at 41 um, and a half? I am talking about the under 41 and a half, and I actually – low. I know. That's, that's an it, academy it, under, Rob. It's, How it many is. safeties is that, Dave? Yeah, that's the point is that, um, you know, well, Iowa, Iowa could win this game and still not see the end zone. I think we already know that. So – I mean, this could be another, you know, four-inning baseball game. I think Honky tweeted that. I hear you. It it could be an overreaction. I get it. Um, If that goes up, that number goes up to like 44, I'd be interested in taking it. But I I just think 41, 41 and a half is awfully low. Boomer, you you think about taking the under, though? I don't even think I was taking the under. I think I'm taking Iowa State in that game. Yeah. I mean, do you see, like, Iowa making huge offensive improvements? They do this all the time, guys. They look like trash one week, and then they turn around and they'll middle around and win this yeah. game twenty-four I mean, to thirteen or something like that. What? Well, well yeah, but three of those touchdowns 1. are going to be. 1. Yeah, there'll be three defensive touchdowns yeah. though. Well, so it doesn't matter. Like, they still. I know score. it doesn't. I know it doesn't matter. But I, I just. It. Yeah. I mean, I, Matt Campbell is due. I mean, if you want to take the philosophy of like you know you know the the ups and downs here, everybody thought that Iowa State was going to be the better team last year. It didn't happen. Um, and, and Iowa continued their streak. Matt Campbell's yet to beat Iowa. Um, it, this would be the type of year where he, he does it with a completely different cast and you didn't expect it. So I get it. I might just stay away from this one, but it's, yeah, it's an intriguing I, I mean, a three and a half point spread in Iowa city, you know, against Iowa state, which is a, you know, a, a natural rival game. A three and a half point spread is, is like Vegas saying like, you know, Neutral, neutral yeah. site yeah. in Des Moines, Good. this would be a pick em. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, in Des Moines, neutral site in Des Moines, that's that's funny. But, the, yeah, I mean, this is – and this is, again, I probably would stay away from it too, but it's still an interesting game. It, it I, I, uh, I I hope we get a chance to, to watch it, uh, but it's going to be on right before – it does. It, it's going to be on before the Husker game starts this week, and so – I don't know. What yeah, I'm not. I'm not on. looking that forward to watching it. I would like to see what the outcome is. Boomer, what other games are you looking at? 
Anything in particular? Uh, well, I, I there's another game I was kind of intrigued with. I don't know what to make of it at this point. Uh, Baylor and BYU. BYU's minus three and a half on that. Yep. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what to make of that game yet. I was eyeballing that, and I don't know. I, I'm not sure, so I'm just going to kind of keep an eye on that for the next that, few days and a, give that one some thought. So A line I saw, and again, like Illinois and Indiana, the line kind of stinks. Yeah. Uh, you got BYU at home. Up Are in Big Provo. Ten doing this game, Dave? That'll, Probably. that'll look like how I do it. Um, it's, right. y- you could see this being a situation where Baylor does not play in that type of altitude. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a late game, um, but I mean Baylor. I, I like Dave Aranda a lot, and but they were replacing a lot, especially offensively. So uh, that'll be intriguing. And, and you know Baylor, you know wants to try to repeat. Um, in Big Twelve BYU is going to be a future conference foe here before you know it. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Don't know what to think. Rob, you got anything else on your board? I mean, I was kind of looking at the Kansas State Missouri game. I I like sure. the over on fifty four and a half. Um, it's also, really? I also like, I also like Kansas state at, um, at minus eight. It, it'd be interesting. It didn't, I, that last game, Kansas state that they played it, that was hard. Like, it was an enigma. Cause I didn't watch the game. I just looked at the box score and like, how the did they score? Weird. Yeah, it was, it was very weird. And so I was trying to figure out, you know, okay, geez, how did they score? What was it? 38 points or something on, on that. Um, but yeah, I kind of like the over 54 and a half on, on this just, yeah, and the other one I'm looking you know, at, too, a lot of Big 12 games. I, I'm not really that interested in a lot of the Big 10 games this, this week for reasons that they're just not really playing anybody. Sure. Um, yeah, but, like, West Virginia and Kansas will be another really interesting one. There's, Only you know, 13, 13, 13 on Yeah, 13 right now is what I'm seeing on, on ESPN. Um, like on, on And I kind of like West Virginia at minus 13 on that to stick with my sure. own, and that, that might even be my best bet for the week. Um, is West Virginia minus thirteen if it sticks? But I will. We won't know till Thursday what that line is at. So I'll have to wait and see because that's when what, that's when we're making our picks, right? So yeah, right. We'll um, see where that line moves. I mean, yeah. if you really want to bet it, you can bet it now at thirteen. Get it half, now. And, yeah, yeah. But you may not be able to make that bet for a best bet on on Thursday. Um, all right. Well, you know, I've got a few here that I'm, I'm looking at. Um, Oklahoma State, Arizona State. You're talking about Big Twelve. You know. That should be a good matchup. Um, all future Big 12 members, Dave. Is that what you're implying? Maybe. maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was 16. just a Big 12 matchup. I got confused there for a second. <laughs> it does seem like a natural fit, really. It really it? does. It really um, does. You know, the, the Missouri K-State game is also one on my list, Rob. I, I I don't know. Adrian went 5 of 11 for like 43 yards, yards or something. 43 or, yards. It was under 50 um, yards. Yeah. I'm sure that Deuce Vaughn looked great, but I mean – I just I don't know if I trust Kansas State's offense quite yet. And Missouri's still an SEC team. I mean, geesh, I mean that's that's something. So um I, I guess, you know, maybe, but you're you're getting taking an SEC team against a what should be a middle of the pack Big Twelve team and you you're giving them a touchdown. Um that it's tempting. Yeah. Um transitioning to more SEC, I like the over in Tennessee Pitt probably. Um that could be a, a fun game to watch. Um Maybe the over in Washington State, Wisconsin. A lot of good crossovers here with with these uh, early season games. Um, game I'm intrigued with here, and, and maybe it has some value if you can get it right now. Uh, Louisville will just look like trash against Syracuse. Um, Scott Satterfield might be in trouble down there, guys. I tell you. Um, 
uh, at UCF. UCF's favored by six and a half. Um, I just don't know if Louisville can score enough points to, to stick with a relatively, uh, you know, fine-tuned UCF offense that just keeps on plugging and, and replacing players and, and keep on producing points. So uh, that's an intriguing one. One I'm probably staying away on, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, Kentucky going down to the swamp. Florida off that big victory. Anthony Richardson looked really good versus Utah. You know, Utah looked good in that game too. I thought Utah did nothing to shame themselves. They could bounce back win 11 more games and potentially still make the playoff. Um, but Florida looked better than expected. Uh, for goodness sakes, guys. I mean, we've been struggling with this for five freaking years. And Florida's new head coach, who um, his former head coach was the guy who got the job because Scott Frost supposedly turned Florida down. And their new head coach's name is Billy. Billy. Right? Yeah, Billy and, he, and he goes that's and wins his first game SEC against name. the 7th. Yeah. What, Boomer? That's a classic SEC-type name. You got to go with Billy <laughs> in it, yeah. Billy Napier wins his first game as the coach of Florida um, against the number 17, seven team in the country. Uh, so frustrating, but Anthony Richardson, I, I think that's the quarterback, uh, looked very legit. Um, but uh, Kentucky beat him last year. Uh, Kentucky, some of them have him slated as the number two team in the in the SEC East. That should be uh, an intriguing matchup. I, I don't, don't know if I have a, a take on that one. Yeah, that's a that is a tough one. I looked at it too. I was I almost brought it up, but then I thought, you know, maybe maybe the the over might be a play on there. It's fifty two points, um, but other than that, I mean, Kentucky at Florida. Florida seems to. I don't know, man. Like four and a half might be if you're going to take it, take Florida at four and a half right now. I mean, maybe, but I, I don't know. Like, who is Kentucky? Like it's Kentucky and you don't know. And and I looked at this and I thought, am I looking at a basketball ranking? I, it's just, you know, this would be, <laughs> this would be a hell of a basketball matchup. Number 20 Kentucky at Florida. But you know, I, from a football sure, standpoint, sure. it's, it's just so iffy because like Kentucky could just easily come out and just, you know, crap the bet this year. So I, I have no idea. It, it's a, it's a, it's a polar team. There's a lot of team guys that are on sell high on Kentucky. Others are like, no, they're going to stick take a step back. Will Levis is the quarterback there. Guy that we, we handled quite easily when he was at Penn state, uh, subbing in for Sean Clifford now, like, uh, three years ago. Is so, one Dale still there? Is he, he, no, he's in the NFL. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's in the NFL. Yep. Who, who did he end up with? I can't even remember. Didn't he sign as like a undrafted free agent or something? No, he got drafted and he's doing quite well. Oh, okay. They're very high. I think he got drafted in the second round. I think. Is really? Third. Yeah. Sound right. New York Giants, am I wrong? Giants, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. I just stopped more, following him after he left, so I forgot. A few more that I'll throw out since it's the Betcast and not the Wandell Robbins show. Um, uh, let's see here. Um, Wake Forest is only eight and a half uh, point favorites over Vanderbilt. Maybe too much uh, being put into that Vanderbilt thopping over Hawaii. Hawaii is horrible. Um, I, I've already taken. Uh, Michigan to cover the 50 versus Hawaii <laughs> this week. Um, it's 50. You don't see that very often. No, that's in, a lot of points. In um, FBS versus FBS to have a 50-point spread. But Michigan is favored by 50, now 51, I believe, over Hawaii. Uh, Vanderbilt only eight-and-a-half-point dogs um, to a Wake Forest team. Missing Sam Hartman, but intrigued in that one. Um, and I'll wrap it up with um, – Oregon State, Fresno. Uh, Oregon State's actually a dog right now at Fresno. 
Oregon State looked pretty good uh, last week, um, beating up on yeah. Boise, really controlling that game. Uh, they've got a – I can't remember his name, Boomer. I don't know if you watched that game too. Number 12 is like a two-way player for Oregon State. He does everything. He he He's their backup quarterback. He ran the ball. He caught the ball. He, he made tackles. I was like, who is this guy? Um, so uh, Oregon State, somewhat intriguing. Ty John Lindsay is still on that team. Uh, and, and Tristan Jebbia is a – captain but not the starting quarterback and any but anytime fresno's at home um i mean and we talk about it is a tough place to play it is because any anytime anytime fresno is the one place i'm a california kid and i can tell you fresno is the one place where fans will always show out for for their team in california right it's it's not southern cal it is it's really hot but there's they love their high school football in the central valley let me tell you man like they they love it out there and and they love their they love their fresno bulldogs and people will travel far and wide um you know and and it's that's a tough place to play. I've actually been to a couple of games down there in Fresno and, and it's I a agree. great atmosphere. Yeah. It's a great. Nebraska was down there. I don't know when that was boomer. I forget now, but we visited Fresno probably in the Polini years. Remember right. And um, we're able to get out with a victory, but uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's no, no picnic down there. But... ish Sounds about right. Yeah. Oh, it was a Riley year. Was that right? I think so. Yeah. 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 I remember it. Yeah. Uh, that'd be my guess. Yeah. 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 All right, guys. Well, anything else uh, uh, bet-wise before we get to our parting shots? Um, what was the over-under on uh, the Clemson-Georgia uh, Tech game? I got it at 51. Oh, well, it's sitting currently sitting at 50. Perfect. That's all you yeah. need. And there's a minute yeah. 30, 35. And there's a minute so. 35 left. So and Clemson has the ball. You're in good shape, Dave. So, yep. No, they're kicking the extra point. I'm, oh. I'm oh, there you go. Oh, okay. I didn't even see that. That There you go. There's your there's yeah. your 51. Sorry, oh, unless Dave. blocked. No. no. I'm going to oh, push nobody it. Blocks a <laughs> nobody point. blocks a field goal yeah, at the end of the game. Happen. What are you talking about? Yeah. An extra point? That doesn't happen. Uh, well, that's that's how my, my betting week went. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. Let's get out with some parting shots. Rob, I'll let you go first. Oh, of course you're going to let me go. Hey, Redcasters, I am really looking forward to making the trip out to Lincoln. I'm really looking forward to seeing the other Redcasters. Uh, regardless of what you guys see on these shows, we're all really good friends. We've all known each other. I mean, those other guys have known each other a long time. I've known Dave for like 12 years now or some crazy amount of time in my life. And I'm really looking forward to getting out to Lincoln, seeing everybody this weekend. Uh, going to the game. I'm going to be at the 311 concert on Friday night while these guys are doing their live show. It's just going to be a great weekend. I cannot wait to get out of town. It can't happen soon enough. Uh, so hopefully I see some of you Redcasters out there too. And uh, come by if you, if you, if you see us and, and, and you actually recognize our faces from YouTube, feel free to stop me and say hello. I'd be more than happy to stop, stop and chat with you at all. So. Absolutely. I'd be remiss not to mention that we are broadcasting live uh, on Friday night from the Hell Varsity Club there in uh, suburban uh, La Vista. And it uh, should be a lot of fun. Me and Honky will be there. Maybe a few others uh, will be around. Uh, but uh, until then, Boomer, uh, get us out of here. Well, the only thing I've got is just a question for our loyal fans and listeners that are watching live and, and, and chatting via YouTube. Um with our brilliant uh, scheduling model that we've done in the past, scheduling shows opposite national championship games and things like that, uh, we kind of forgotten Monday nights. Monday night football is a thing. So uh, kind of leaving it up to you guys. Would you want us to continue to do Monday shows, or do you prefer it a different day of the week? What's more convenient for you? What do we get the most interaction with? That'd be a great Why don't you Twitter let poll. us know? 
yeah, let us send us a tweet. We'll probably throw a poll up maybe later and see what you guys want. I mean, we're flexible. You know, we again we try to be the fan podcast. So we want to look at what you guys can do. So just let us know what's best for you guys, and and we're flexible. We can make it work. So absolutely. All right, guys, great show. Good talking to you. Looking forward to seeing everyone this weekend. For now, let's call that a go big redcast. Go big red. Hoda Media Production.